This is Free Talk Live. It's your show. You dial in toll-free. Bring up whatever's on your mind, 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line, and it's Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site, they are completely free, so enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. All week long, we have been giving you updates on our friend Sam, who is... Currently still sitting in jail. Uh, he's at the Cheshire County Jail here in the Keene, New Hampshire area. It's where we do this show. He was arrested on Monday as he attempted to video record in a allegedly public place, the public lobby of what's supposedly a public courtroom. But apparently you're not allowed to be the media in this particular public place and you'll be arrested for it. And that's what they arrested him for. They also brought him up on several other charges. Uh, disorderly conduct was for the videoing, and they told him to stop, and he didn't stop. Uh, they brought him upon possession without a serial number, alleging that the video camera he had was stolen, and they also uh, was resisting arrest charge in there, as well as uh, refusal to process. He's been held ever since uh, in the jail because he did not want to come down for the arraignment that they were holding for him. So the judge basically said, well, okay, you get to stay there until you want an arraignment. So essentially, he was in, he's in jail for an indefinite period of time. Now, since then, as we've updated you throughout the week, and as Ivy has called in, who is kind of like the legal eagle here, uh, without actually being a lawyer, she's been helping Sam out, and he, she did finally get to meet with him yesterday. Uh, she got him to sign this paperwork that will allow her to represent him and file paperwork on his behalf and stuff like that. Um, so it looks like there's some developments here. In fact, there's a big development. We've got Sam on the line with us, live from the county jail. <laughs> Hey guys. Sam, welcome back to Free Talk Live. Good to hear your voice. Ah, thank you. Good How are you feeling, you. Sam? Uh, I'm tired a <laughs> little bit. Um, I, I feel fine. I, I mean, I'm in high spirits, that sort of thing. I'm actually pretty excited about uh, everything that's happened, and I think this is going to be a, a good chance to uh, restore some freedom of the press in New Hampshire. Well, I hope so. <laughs> Me too. It's good to know that you're uh, you're staying positive uh, while you're in a relatively undesirable situation. Or would you say that? How has your stay been so far? Yeah, I mean that's uh, I've written a letter that's on the way to you guys, hopefully, that I kind of outlined some of these things. That's really the way this. It, I just it's my observations of kind of the jail system and the justice system. It's really designed to uh, get people angry at each other and lashing out and um, that, so that the state can then come in and really just stomp down on them. I mean, Mark, you can probably talk about that better than me. But it's it's really, I feel like it's designed to break people and show them that, no, the state's in charge, we're the authority here, and you're going to do what we say or else. And uh, they don't really know how to handle a political prisoner or somebody who's, you know, just sitting there at peace and happy and, um, it, you know, it was funny. At the Keene Police Department, the I think it was the arresting officer, when I didn't answer some of their questions, they got a little angry, and one of them uh, yelled something. I forget what it was. And then he slammed the cell door as hard as he could, like mm-hmm. a four-year-old throwing a temper tantrum. Mm-hmm. And I just kind of smiled at that, because I know that's him getting mad, seeing his authority challenged, or seeing you know his belief system challenged in a way that it never has before. Right. He's only really... Um... He's only really mad at himself, and and 
it's interesting. I mean, I've never been inside a jail with kind of an angry um, mind. When I went in uh, a few months back, this very same jail that you're in, I went in with a very positive uh, mindset, and I, you know, I told myself I'm going to have this uh, positive experience. I'm going to have a positive experience here, and I mean, uh, you know, obviously, I'd, it'd be more positive to be out and about doing uh, what I'd prefer to be doing. But considering the circumstances I was in, I was determined to uh, make the best of it, and that really gave me a very peaceful. Uh, demeanor the entire time and uh, i think that it had an overall effect on the outcome yeah no that's true and i was in uh, isolation for two days um in the holding area in like a glass uh room with uh rubber on the walls until i scratched freekeen.com into the wall in great <laughs> big letters and I, under that I, I came you know i got hours to think so i thought of the tagline there is a better way <laughs> that's a good one <laughs> managed to uh to scratch that in, and then they're like, oh, we got to move you. I heard them talking outside, and uh, then they moved me into what's E-Block. It's like a max security uh, where you're in your cells 23 hours a day if they let you out. Right, that's where they keep uh, the rippers, I guess they're called. Yeah, I was in with uh, most of the people there. I was talking to them, and you know, discussing their anger issues. And like <laughs> I, I just think that's awesome. We even so, got law of attraction in with this one guy. It was right? just, it's fantastic. <laughs> Stan's um, making connections even with the violent uh, offenders. Now, how many of these guys... I who mean, better? You didn't get to really, I'm sure, talk to all of them, but, I mean, of your experience so far, are these folks that are just uh, just dyed-in-the-wool violent people, or are they people that made mistakes? So what was your impression of the people you've met so far, and at least the violent uh, the, of the violent offenders? Yeah, so when I got moved up to the max play, uh, to E-Block, um, the first night, I, I, you know, I've been in solitude, essentially. Yeah, there's noise and stuff going on outside in the booking room, but the, and the lights have been on in my cell, in the holding cell, 24 hours a day. But uh, once I got up there, it was the first time I was actually behind the bars where, you know, you're in this big open room with nine other uh, cells on the little block there. And, uh, boy, the first night I was about to go crazy. There, there, people were screaming at each other and yelling. and Really? Oh, yeah. Back and forth, arguing with each other, and then they would shake the cell doors, and then some other ones would join in, and it was, it was like that all freaking night. <laughs> it was, I'm like, this is going to be miserable. Physically incapable of whispering. I swear most of them are. Yeah. And uh, then the guy, but, you know, they, they started, I started telling my story. I started talking about the message of liberty. I started, uh, they started asking me questions. Well, what would... What would you do in my case? I, you know, one guy had um, was drunk, but wasn't really aware of what he was doing. Mm. Stole a uh, cell, asked a girl at Keene State for a cell phone. She refused. He took it from her, and he realizes that was wrong after we talked for a while. Some guy came up to defend and her, and he punched him. This is a big guy, like a Pete Air from Bureaucrash. And uh, then he passed out, and the police arrested him, threw him in the drunk, drunk tank, let him go. And then came back later with burglary charges, like six months later. Hmm. And now he's here. Um, oh, gosh. Where was I going with that? You were going to say that uh, you'd, you'd gone somewhere with, like, uh, law of attraction or, or yeah, liberty. Pre- no, or you're preaching the message of oh, liberty, and, uh, like, he yeah. asked you, what would he do? What so would you they, do? They started listening. Sorry, I haven't had food either. So <laughs> um, They started listening to this and hearing what I was about and kind of coming around to these ideas. And, man, I got... Food, I got shoes, not food, I got shoes passed over to me. They sent me just anything they could. And then um, finally, I, I didn't even have soap for uh, over three days. Wow. 
And, um, you know, these guys just have really been uh, excited to hear from somebody like me that, that's, you know, not the typical criminal that's in here. Right. I was uh, I was blown away when you had said earlier, uh, you would called me earlier this afternoon, we had a conversation, and, and you'd mentioned that you'd written this letter, mm-hmm. uh, this eight-page long letter to Mark and myself, and I, you know, I thought that you had been basically confined, and I said, well, wait a minute, how did you get the pencil and the paper to write the letter? It was stuck to me by the uh, kites, I guess. <laughs> the kites? Yeah, well, you wrap up, wrap up stuff in your shirt pocket and then fold it up and throw it down. And then if it doesn't land close enough to the cell where you can reach it, you have to take the blanket and throw it out over the floor and draw it in. <laughs> I'm glad to see the words haven't changed. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, they don't use kite here, but I knew that was your word. So, so, uh, so you actually got the pencil and the pieces of paper that you needed from your fellow violent offenders. Yeah, as well as a stamped envelope and uh, the envelope itself and the stamp. Wow. Uh, several sheets of paper, the pen that I'm still holding in my hand. When you talk about violent offenders, you don't get this, you know, you don't get the the view, you don't get the the uh, the, the picture that these guys are maybe people that have changed uh, while they've been in there, that maybe they've realized that, uh, that that what they did was wrong and that they are better people because of it, and everybody just kind of writes them all off as, well, you're bad forever. Yeah. Uh, if they were bad, if they were all bad, then they wouldn't have shown you that, com- that level of compassion. Yeah, and, and, you know, first thing right off the bat, I asked them, what are you guys in here? VOP, the next one. VOP, the next oh, one. VOP. So, wow. I want to come back with more. You've, you've obviously got time, don't you, Sam? Oh, yeah. Nothing <laughs> <laughs> <of> but <the> time. <laughs> Hang on. 800-259-9231. Sam, our co-host and documentarian at ObscuredTruth.com. Live with us from jail. It's Free Talk Live. If you've got a questions for him, dial in. Talk Live. You can dial in toll-free and bring up whatever's on your mind. 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. And is subject to monitoring and, and recording. we are talking with our, uh, our friend Sam, who is on the line from the jail here in Cheshire County, New Hampshire. Uh, we, we can get back into that here in a moment. 800-259-9231 is our number. If you've got a question for Sam, uh, this is your only chance to talk to him unless he knows your phone number and can call you personally because when you're in a jail cell, you only get to call the numbers you remember. Or if you've got somebody who's kind enough to help you out on the outside, uh, kind enough to help you out, like Ivy, then uh, they can actually pass you some numbers and you can do it that way. So we're actually trying to bring Sam back on here. I don't know if we got him. I think we lost him. So it's kind of tricky doing a radio show and trying to take a collect call at the same time because we don't really have a producer in here, at, at least on our side of things. So uh, I'm sure Sam will be calling back here shortly. We can ask him some more questions about his stay there in the jail and, of course, what has been happening, what is the latest on his case. I do know, uh, in fact, Ivy is with us, uh, also calling from New Hampshire on the amp line. Uh, Ivy, some of the big news today is that they have apparently dropped the charge, or at least one of the charges. Is that right? Correct. They uh, decided to um, drop, or they're going to be dropping the charge of the possession without a serial number. Which was disgusting. Uh, it was, I mean, right. that, that was the worst part of it all, that, that they were calling him a thief in the process. Right, exactly. They apparently had to send his camera out to some special camera shop to find where the serial number actually was, and then they could drop that charge. So um, that's, that's what's going on there, and uh, hopefully... 
on a, a Monday, he's supposed to, Sam's supposed to be at a bail hearing, uh, and uh, hopefully he'll be released on Monday. So that's all my good news. I'll leave the rest up to Sam. <laughs> well, um, we're, we're trying to get him on. Now, do you, um, so it's, it's just one simple charge at this point? No, he's still facing the disorderly conduct and the refusal to process and the resisting arrest. Um, we have some pretty good feelings on those, though. I'm sure we can take care of those without a problem. But the, the possession without a serial number is going to be dropped. So. Okay. Well, that's good news. Yep. Well, it's any, it's a step in the right direction, and it sounds right. like things are moving slowly in the right direction, that uh, Sam will be in there over the weekend, but good chance of him possibly being released on Monday. And, of course, right. uh, I imagine activists may be in the courtroom. Uh, if, he, if he's going to be appearing in person on Monday morning, we might be able to get some last-minute activists to show up on short notice, because one of the nice things about being here in New Hampshire uh, surrounded by like-minded, liberty-loving people is that on a you know the drop of a hat... <laughs> There are people that will show up to do something. So there can be a call going out to Pork 411, which is this information line that you dial up, leave a message, and it's that message is automatically sent to a few hundred email addresses and smartphones. That uh, happens within seconds of you hanging up the phone. And then so if you need to put an alert out there and get people's attention, that does it. And then, you know, within minutes, people will start showing up for something if they're available. And, of course, the more activists we have, the more likely more people will be available at any given moment in time. And so this is one of the reasons why bringing more people here to New Hampshire is, is such a great idea. Right. So that's, uh, that is something we'll look forward to on Monday. Hey, Ivy, thanks for the update tonight. Anything else to share? Uh, that's all for me. All right, appreciate hearing from you. Let's go to uh, Sam is back with us. Sam, are you there, sir? I'm here. Okay, I don't know if there's like a phone. Uh, is there a time limit on that phone? Do you no, know? No, I think it's when you whatever you did right at the break. Is that dropped the call and then I tried calling back and it dropped again immediately as soon as hmm. it was connected. So I'm not sure. Well, the uh, the jail phone systems are very touchy things, but nonetheless, let's see where did we leave off. Uh, so Ivy just told us that the theft charge has been dropped. Is that right? Apparently, um, the Keene Police Department needed to send my camera to a professional camera shop in Manchester or something to figure out that there was a serial number. It was just covered by a piece of black tape. <laughs> so I guess they didn't have any investigators on hand to look into that one before. <laughs> I wonder how much Strong investigative work. Yeah. Yeah. Quite, well, quite a group of detectives. <laughs> the reason I put the tape on is because that's the smaller one that I use, and sometimes I'm on film filming things. And... Uh, I don't want the Panasonic logo or copyright or trademarks being put into the, the film work because then I have all kinds of issues uh, you know, with royalties and so forth hmm. and permission. So I covered all of that up. Plus, I don't want the silver uh, reflector to be to, uh, put glare back into the camera. It all sounds very suspicious to me. Yeah, I guess. So, Sam, let's rewind a bit here and talk about uh, what happened on Monday because we've played the audio and it's absolutely horrific. Uh, listening to you screaming as these men were doing something that seemed like torture uh, to yeah. you. Obviously, none of us were able to observe, despite our best efforts. They would not allow us to observe what was going on. And, uh, you know, the audio was terrible. Nobody ended up having any video of the uh, the affair, at least none that's come out uh, as of yet. Of course, there's some video in your camera. Oh, yeah. Um, but whether that will make it through this whole process is, is still another question. Well, it, it should. I mean, if the... I heard something like, uh, I, I thought I heard while I was in that back room that they were trying to see if it was recording and delete the footage, which makes no sense because if I was... Comp-
committing a crime, why would you want to destroy video evidence of yeah, the that crime? Makes, yeah. That makes, you know, so it should still be on there. We'll find out. So, uh, but I was recording. Yeah, what were they doing to you? Why so, uh, Why so much pain? Yeah, um, when, uh, I went that day. I was wearing a silver bracelet on my left hand. It's, it's a cuff bracelet. It's about a quarter inch thick. It's very heavy duty and the, not very comfortable to wear. I don't wear it that often because it has right angles on both sides and the bottom two edges are flat. Mm. So it makes four very sharp points. Well, when they cuffed me, they cuffed me over that bracelet. And then uh, when they, you know, despite me being completely passive, they never locked down the handcuffs so they could click tighter and tighter. As they dragged me, that hand, the, the bracelet got further and further sideways and was digging right up against the bone. It's still bruised and sore on my left wrist. My right one has, uh, or, yeah, my right one is complete, no, okay, yeah, <laughs> sorry, lack of food, I'm not co- completely coherent. My right wrist has healed up completely, no marks left. My left one still has some puncture wounds from this bracelet. So as they're pulling me, that right edge is digging into my hand, mm. and that's why I started screaming. Um, the cops were saying, oh, yeah, play it up. This is real funny or, you know, something like that. It was just outrageous. Um, the, as they were pulling me, the, the handcuffs tightened up, two more clicks. They uh, then drug me over into the room right behind the court where I laid there for a while, and that's where they saw the handcuffs weren't locked. They actually went back there, unloosened them a couple clicks, and then locked both of them down. Clearly had to have seen that the bracelet was on my hand, that it was caught under the handcuffs, and he did nothing to, uh, to to remove the bracelet or to get it out. Had you put two and two together at that point and figured out that it was the bracelet that was causing you the? Oh, yeah, the... I knew it right away. I mean, were because... you pointing it out to them, and they weren't just they just didn't care, or yeah, what? Yeah, they they didn't they didn't care. I mean, it, <laughs> the keen I I asked them why are you hurting me, and all they would say is you know either you're playing it up. And, uh, oh, yeah, they can't hear you. As they were dragging me down the stairs and I'm screaming, they're like, oh, why are you yelling? They can't hear you now and saying things like that. Um, when the keen police officer showed up, I told him that, look, are, I asked him, are you a certified police officer in the state of New Hampshire? He said, yes. I said, well, I need you to arrest the clerk, Larry, for a violation of 18 U.S.C. 242. Uh, and he said, I don't care about all that. <laughs> I don't care about all that, all meaning uh, he, he, meaning that guy broke the law and he didn't care about it. Nope. Uh, we're going to bring you back for more. Hang on. More with Sam here in moments. If you've got a question for him, he's on the line from jail, which means he's got some time. It's Free Talk Live. One of the bonuses you'll get as a Free Talk Live amplifier is access to our classic archives. For just $3 a month, you can become an amplifier, and you'll help us get on more radio stations and MP3 players. Get the details at amp.freetalklive.com. That's amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can dial in and bring up whatever's on your mind, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. Our website, we give all the features away. You can enjoy those on us including archives. If you've missed a moment of the show, click and download right there on the front page of the website for your downloaded convenience, totally free at freetalklive.com. Now, did you know that over 35% of IT admins actually admit to snooping through their boss's email? Shouldn't your business email be secure? Privacyharbor.com is an email alternative that is private and confidential, guaranteed. That's privacyharbor.com, because normal email is not secure. We continue here talking with our friend and co-host, 
also a documentarian at ObscureTruth.com. His name is Sam. He is calling from the Cheshire County Correctional Facility here in uh, the Keene, New Hampshire area, which is the area where we do this show, was arrested on Monday on several charges stemming from his refusal to stop recording with his HD video camera in what is was supposedly a public area. Now, we we covered uh, some of the violence that the police inflicted upon you without much concern for your well-being, which must have been, uh, you know, a hard thing for... That would be a hard thing for anybody to handle, just being treated like dirt, uh, not being treated humanely. When did it change? When did uh, things start to change for you? I mean, uh, there was a lot of screaming in the beginning, but uh, did... Did you end up in the hands of bureaucrats that took better care of you at a certain point, or what happened? Yeah, eventually. Um, so the arresting officer told me to get up as I just laid there. He got angry, and he said, you know, I'm strong enough. I can pick you up all on my own, and he yanked me up so hard. Um, kind of like when you throw a baby up in the air, they're weightless for a second. That's how hard he pulled me up. Wow. And then he starts dragging me towards the door with his buddy, and they're laughing as my feet uh, clicked down the stairs and out the door and so forth. Um, once we get to the Keene uh, police station in the little bay there, they pull me out of the car, and then they had more officers there, and that's when everything changed. Um, they got my feet. You know, they, they did what they could to, to not hurt me as bad. Mm-hmm. You know, anytime I started to scream because of the pain, they would uh, try and adjust. So more eyes meant... Better behavior. Yeah, and then they drug me into the little booking area on the floor. I think the chief was standing over my head. I had my eyes closed. I, you know, I, I was hurting. Um, and they took the handcuffs off, and that's when they saw all of the bruising. The one guy said, "Is that blood?" Um, and they saw the, what the bracelet had done on my left hand. And I mean, it, that changed everything. It was like, well, okay, I see why the guy was yelling. So, uh, so note to anybody that's planning on going to get arrested: uh, remove all bracelets and wrist-related jewelry. Yes, <laughs> not a good idea. Uh, you know, it still hurts. I had bruises on my arm from where they were holding me, but mm. I expect that doing this kind of thing. Um, I, don't, I didn't expect to be subjected to what is really cruel and unusual punishment that was deliberate too, because when they retighten the handcuffs, they could clearly see what was going on, why I was screaming. Right, because there were two funny. two very separate occasions, and you can hear the audio if you go to freekeen.com. You'll have to scroll down, scroll down a little bit because there's been a lot. As you can imagine, there have been a, a lot of posts over the past few days over at Freekeen. Uh, but you can hear the audio there. There were two very separate occasions when you were screaming. There was one occasion in the beginning when they dr- drug you in there initially. Then Dave Ridley had time to go have his arraignment. It was when that wrapped up that you began screaming again. Yeah, that was when he yanked me off the floor and started dragging me out the door. So uh, eventually, though, then I, that's when I saw Kurt come in, and he, he said, are you okay? And I said, yes. And he goes, can I call 411? And I said, yeah, that's fine. He goes, did they hurt you? And I held up my wrist and said, yes, and showed him. Um, he said, did they hit you? And I'm like, no, no, they haven't done that. And uh, I, I didn't know what happened. I heard as I was screaming the second time somebody in the courtroom saying, what's going on, what's going on, or something. I didn't know anything, anyone other than Kurt had been arrested. Yeah, uh, yeah, it ended up, I mean, as, you've, as you've heard, our listeners may not know if they're just tuning in for the first time tonight, but it was shortly after you were arrested, the police then, uh, essentially, the, the 
The prosecutor, who is also a police officer, Rivera, uh, demanded that everybody leave this public area. I mean, people are gathered publicly in a public area, and he said, okay, you know, if you don't have a case, you got to get out of here. Uh, pretty much. And so a number of people decided to stay because they were concerned for your well-being. They didn't want to just leave uh, you there, even though you were on another side of a wall from them. Uh, in fact, you might have even been gone at that point. We obviously had no way to know for sure. Yeah. Uh, but they ended up staying there. Then the cops came in with reinforcements, closed off the door, and trapped all of the remaining activists in there. Every single one of them that was there, except for the news reporter from the Sentinel, was uh, cited. And those that refused to give up information were arrested. So two people ended up walking away with citations, and uh, four ended up uh, leaving in handcuffs. Yeah, I, I caught the cat uh, canning from uh, New Hampshire Free Press sent me her notes through the mail-to-jail uh, thing that Mike Barsky said. Mail-to-jail.com, a great resource yeah, created uh, by another one of the activists up here, Mike uh, Mike Barsky. People can go and send letters to activists that are in jail. Right now, Sam, you're the only activist that, uh, that we know of, at mm-hmm. least here in the New Hampshire area, that is behind bars, and so uh, people can go and they can write you letters there. But hopefully, uh, coming up on Monday, you won't be behind bars anymore if all right. goes well. Yeah, I just want to say, though, it was so incredible to get all of those uh, emails from all over the world. People here uh, in the day room that I'm finally in where I could get mail have read through them with me, and they're just amazed at mm. what's coming in, and it was just it was wonderful to get those. It must, be, it must be amazing to them. I mean, when most people go to jail, they go in and people forget about them, and, yeah. you know, they're lucky if mom comes to visit them from time to time. The, the first night when I'm in the holding cell, it's like 8 or 9 o'clock or so, the uh, one of the, the commanding officers comes in and says, you know, do you want to eat or do you want to process? And I'm like, no. And he says, you know, your friends were here, or your friend was here. And I just kind of looked at him. He's like, yeah. He goes, but he left now. I don't, I don't remember which one it was. And later I found out that there was like 30 people that are prote- protesting outside the jail with open carrying and everything, and all the inmates here are all excited about it and yeah. so forth. <laughs> so, so they did everything they could to, you know, work me over psychologically and try and break me and get me to uh, consent to their system. Now, Sam, is there anything that uh, you, you would have done differently at this point, look, looking at uh, how things have gone? Um, I don't know. You know, everything happens for a reason, Mark. You did end up. I'm, um, I'm, I don't disagree. You did end up obviously uh, giving in to some extent because you're now in population, right. which means that you were classified, which means that you had to answer some questions. So, you yeah. did end up uh, giving them that. something. Yeah, which ones? So the order came from Burke, uh, the who, judge. Yeah, the judge who uh, held a uh, bail hearing. He listed out the three counts as Class A misdemeanors up to three years in jail, $10,000 cash bond before the court, which means somebody has to bring the full cash amount in, not a bail bondsman or anything, which I could do that. I mean, I could get the cash and bond out, but how am I going to do that when I don't have access to a phone, when I can't get a pen and piece of paper, when I can't write any motions that it says I, I can do, you know, I can motion the court and do this and I can do that, and I have all these options to go in and exercise my rights, but... Because I didn't consent to the system, the jail wouldn't let me do any of that. So rights in New Hampshire are only for people who acknowledge the authority of the state. And that's not the way it was meant to be. 
I think you'd probably find that to be a true statement around the country, yeah. if not around the world. Uh, you know, they they own you. Uh, they've they've got you, your person. You are in behind their bars, and if you want to be treated uh, well, are, you've got to do what they say uh, to do. They are more than happy to just throw away as many lives as they need to to remain in control, to keep their authority, and uh, you know, to be right about what they're doing and keep collecting this paycheck and uh, uh, getting a pension. That's, that's, the, that's the cold, hard fact of the matter is these people are just too afraid to stand up for what is right. They see this system that has just become this horrible monster, and they wouldn't, most of them I don't think have the courage or wouldn't dare to speak out about it and say something or do something significant to change it. Now, wait, do you mean the bureaucrats yeah. or uh, other people? I mean the bureaucrats working in the system because they see the horrors firsthand. And they know that if they speak up and do something that the government doesn't like, it may turn on them. Yeah, you're absolutely right about that. Though, to some of their credit, they do do what they, you know, they do something. I mean, the uh, the, the Superintendent Van Wickler is a member of Law Enforcement Against Prohibition, right. and, and he deserves some real credit for that. In fact, we'll come back talk more about that here, uh, more with Sam, and we'll take your calls for him, too. 800-259-9231. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. You can dial in toll-free, bring up whatever's on your mind, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. And joining you tonight, it's Ian here with you. And Mark. Join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features are totally free, including live streams. We've got a broadband version, a dial-up version, and a webcam, all free for you at listen.freetalklive.com. That's listen. .freetalklive.com. Now, one of the ways you can help support uh, what we're doing in general, not just Free Talk Live, but the whole liberty movement, uh, you can get behind the CD Evolution Fund. We've been talking with Sam from the Obscure Truth Network. He's also a co-host on this program tonight. He's uh, with us from behind bars. And, Sam, you're back with us. Yep. Uh, you're in the Westmoreland Jail, the Cheshire County Jail here in the Monanoc region of New Hampshire because you dared, dared to record with a video camera in a public court lobby. And, of course, uh, our listeners are rallying behind you in, in whatever ways they possibly can to, uh, to help out. They've been calling, uh, the, you know, they've been calling the, uh, the, the, the police. They've been calling the, the district court. Today you asked uh, people to contact uh, the, one of the state senators and ask them a bunch of questions about political prisoners. All of that information is up at, uh, at freekeen.com. But I wanted to talk briefly about CD Evolution since we've got you here. and You're actually one of the board members of the CD Evolution organization. Right. Uh, cdevolution.org people can go they can contribute to help out those who are in trouble uh because with the law because they decided to have the courage to uh to disobey the law to uh, to live as free people and non-cooperate and, uh, and be in, engaged in civil disobedience and so there was a first expenditure of cd evolution funds we sent ivy uh who's again been helping out uh one of the other free staters sent her some money to cover her gas and a little bit of her time to come down and do some of the things that uh, that she has done and she's helped you out uh, right i mean has it been uh, useful having ivy <laughs> incredibly i mean I, that's that's why I've eventually said I, I I pulled in to the, one of the COs and a sergeant and said, you know, here's what happened. Here's how I was abused. And I mean, the, one of the guys was almost in tears. He was a former police officer, and hearing what they did with the bracelet and locking down the cuffs and all that, he was almost crying with me. Um, I, and I said, you know, what am I going to do? I can't throw away. It's not worth throwing away three years of my life to remain anonymous. Um, so I'll consent to your. 
system. And then, you know, of course, they get really nice. But still, I had no idea how am I going to do anything with this. And Ivy shows up one day, and it was just amazing. She had actually showed up the day before, and uh, they told her that they would go up and get me. They came up and said, do you, do you want to be processed? And I'm like, this is before I had broken. And uh, I said, well, if you want to drag me down there and, and force it upon me. And then they left. Well, they told her that they told me that she was downstairs, but when they came back down to her, he, they said, no, he, we told him you were here, and he, he was laying on the floor and said he wouldn't come unless we dragged him. I knew that's what they did. Totally lied. I mean, it was just un, unacceptable. Um, they did a lot of things like that that I think are really uh, shouldn't have happened. But at the same time, they have been very uh, courteous and professional, at least in their interactions with me. So I would have to... Yeah, I mean, it's not uh, having been inside that same jail. Uh, I can I can certainly attest to that. Uh, and of course, as we mentioned before, it's run by a man who is a law enforcement against prohibition member. I had a nice conversation with uh, Van, Mr. Van Wickler, the uh, the superintendent, Rick Van Wickler. Uh, he's one of the speakers actually for law enforcement against prohibition, and he's the superintendent of the jail. We talked about this in detail on the show, and I made a blog post about it. But he pointed out to me that that he is essentially. He's beholden to the judge in this case. So even if he looks at you, Sam, and he says, man, you really don't belong here, uh, he can't make the decision to to eject you from his own facility because he just doesn't have that. The system is set up in a way that these judges really don't have any kind of check and balance against uh, against what they can do to people. Yeah. And I think that if, if one way the system can be changed that would really inject a lot of compassion or the potential for compassion into a relatively inhumane system, it would be to allow jail superintendents to make their own decisions as to whether or not they want these prisoners. Yeah, no. well, and another thing in New Hampshire, I learned this, uh, I was doing some research before all of this happened, uh, the judges in New Hampshire are one of three states where they're appointed to essentially lifetime dictatorships by His Excellency the Governor. Yes. And there's no market signal to correct a bad judge. They just stay on the bench, and they know that, and they're sitting fat and happy in their, you know, protected little... Uh, position there, and they're just brazen. I mean, that's why we're seeing this. He, what, what Judge Burke has done is essentially he has rewritten the district court rules that are set up by the Supreme Court uh, Chief Justice, who's also the administrator, head administrator of the courts as well, another conflict of interest, um, to where he wrote this order. He didn't sign it so that it's not a valid order that can be challenged, but he's got his uh, bailiffs out there, in, uh, not bailiffs, court security out there enforcing it for him. So he's essentially writing his own rules to, to suit whatever his objectives are, which is to clamp down on free speech and freedom of the press in the New Hampshire courts because when free staters go in there, they're waking people up to the tyranny and oppression that's going on, and this is unacceptable and it must change. So, uh, yeah, so what do you think can be done to advance these changes that you're talking about? I don't know. This is for the political people to figure out. I'll just be happy doing my out-of-the-system activism. Well, that's what I said. I said earlier, you know, I'm not a real... Well, I'm glad to see that you see that there's a role for the political people. Yeah, all right, Mark. <laughs> well, and, and, and it's unfortunate, though, and really it's because of the, the fear 
It's really because of the fear, because people like uh, Rick Van Wickler, the superintendent, I asked him, what will happen if you just turn Sam loose anyway? He says, well, he'd be charged with contempt of court. And I know what that means. That means the judge just slaps this charge on you and you go in the pokey. There's no trial. There's no jury. There's no uh, there's nothing that you can do about that. It's contempt of court. It's like just a it's a power that a judge like a muscle. The judge can just flex it. And these men with guns calling themselves the police or the sheriffs or the bailiffs or whoever will come put cuffs on you and drop you off in a jail cell until they feel well, like letting you out. It's the law, Ian. It's the law. The right. law when it applies to the subjects, not when it applies to them or their bodies. So he could do the right thing, but if he did the right thing, he would be punished. Yeah. And so there is no incentive for him to stick his neck out in that way. It's enough that he has become a speaker for law enforcement against prohibition. And I think that I think that anything that these bureaucrats do to step outside of the bounds of their system, even if it's just speaking out, they deserve to be applauded for that. They deserve to be encouraged to do more of it. Because obviously it would be very powerful if bureaucrats just stopped doing the wrong thing and started doing what was right. But they're too afraid about what the personal consequences consequences are going to be. I mean, if this guy's got a family, and presumably he does, then that means that, you know, dad's not going to come home, and he's not going to bring home a paycheck either. And that's, you know, nobody wants to put their loved ones in that position. And so I, I understand where these guys are coming from, but it, it's just so frustrating because even just a little bit of courage on their part could do a lot to make changes. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. All right, let's go to the phones here. Dan has been waiting patiently in Indiana uh, to talk to you. Dan, you're on with Sam, live from jail. Oh, thank you, gentlemen, and I'm, I'm glad to hear that you're doing lots better. I've been very, very worried about you, Sam, and this has been a load off my mind knowing that uh, you're soon to be released. And um, a couple things I wanted to talk about. The first, and I'll try to be brief. Uh, the first thing is, is that uh, I, I had pointed out before your arrest that uh, these these bureaucrats and stuff, it, and all these judges and all these other folks that think that they can just plot along and do things the way that they've been doing. Uh, it's only going to take one of them to be held legally accountable for what they do, for the rest of them to snap to. To scare the crap out of them? I think we are in the wrong business here. We're doing the wrong thing to people. Uh, The other thing I I, I meant to call about was about the camera shop in Manchester where your uh, camera's there. Mm -hmm. Um, Were they able to view the video from the camera? I don't know if you'd know that, but I'm wondering if there's anybody that's following up on that, whether the folks there um, had any video to view from the camera, and if so, uh, were they um, told, were they ordered to erase or not release that information to the public, you know, any footage that would be on there. I don't and know. if so, um, what media outlets have been uh, alerted to this? And that's basically about all I got to ask about. Thanks, Dan, for the call tonight. I appreciate hearing from you. Yeah, I don't know what the uh, camera shop did with the camera. I mean, they were miraculously able to figure out that the serial number was just covered by tape. Um, I would assume that it's going to still be on there unless they tried to erase it, but they really have to know how to operate that camera. <laughs> I can tell and you I, that uh, they didn't. There was a period after you were arrested that uh, Rivera br- brings the prosecutor brings the camera into the courtroom, uh-huh. and Lee from Cheshire TV happened to be there, the local uh, cable access channel, the head of the cable access channel, and he needed Lee to help him like just figure out how to turn the thing off. <laughs> I think they're going to have a real tough time figuring out you know, how to delete idea, a file. The idea that they would try to erase the evidence on that camera just disgusts me. I mean, these are law enforcement officers trying to destroy evidence. Supposedly there was a crime committed, right? Yes. Well, what yeah, do you have to say disgusting. to Dan? What do you have to say to Dan's point about you know the first uh, person, the first bureaucrat that gets convicted on some charges, really affecting the rest of them? Yeah, I, I mean that's the whole idea behind uh, Randy Kelton's approach from RuleOfLawRadio.com is you you go after these guys one by one, and it, it eventually they 
start to learn, and it will change their system because they're more afraid of the, the being put in prison than we are because they've seen the inside. They know the horrors. They know how bad it is, and they do not want to be in jail. Sam, it's always good talking to you. I'm going to put you on hold here, and we'll, we'll talk a little bit off the air, but we're going to get back to the uh, rest of the calls here. People have been waiting. 800-259-9231. Of course, we'll continue to keep you up to date on what's happening with Sam from ObscureTruth.com as he still sits in jail. More Free Talk Live coming up. Would you like to help others find Free Talk Live? You can help us advertise, market, and promote the show at amp.freetalklive.com. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier now for $3 a month and get some cool bonuses at amp. FreeTalkLive.com. This is Free Talk Live. We are launching an hour number two of the program. You can dial in toll-free, bring up whatever's on your mind, 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. Join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site, we give them away, so enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. We continue here taking your phone calls about whatever you want. Then coming up, there is so much crazy news out there. Uh, It's it's I don't know how we're going to get through, any, <laughs> through half of it tonight. Yeah, it, it can be a little frustrating sometimes doing the show. I mean, I love doing Free Talk Live, and the point of the show is to take your calls about anything, but sometimes there's just so many big uh, stories out there that we just never even have a chance to even touch on them. I mean, Pirate Bay found guilty. I uh, obviously would like to talk about and that. And imprisoned. Uh, yeah, and uh, sentenced to jail. Plus, uh, on top of that, there's something else here about... Uh, Let's see, torture. The torture uh, details have come out, and they're, they're pretty scary uh, to talk about. There's a whole lot, but your calls are what the show's about. So we continue with them. You know, eventually, eventually, I know that Sam, I don't know if this is top secret, but he's not here, so can't say otherwise. Uh, I know that Sam is working on putting together a little uh, news package that'll be a pro-liberty news, uh, a bit of news content that we could run theoretically during the uh, the news breaks during the show. And uh, obviously he has to be out of jail to do something like that. But I think that you might see an Obscure Truth Network news uh, coming soon. I think it might start as like a, a weekly kind of production. Uh, but that will be a great way for us to have a, a some news content on the show yeah. and really get the stories out there that need to be gotten out. And also, of course, help Sam build his brand, too. So maybe that will be something he can launch into upon his release. And, of course, we'll continue to bring you updates on Sam's situation as it develops. Our friend and co-host, documentarian Sam, is uh, currently in a jail cell, has been there all week long, and will remain there over the weekend with a, a, a chance. Not sure what the chance is. You know, Maybe it's as good as 50%. I don't know. Uh, a chance of getting out of the jail cell on Monday morning. So we'll keep you in the loop. In the meantime, we take your calls and go to, or no, we don't. Cliff dropped off the line. So in that case, let's talk about the torture thing. Did you hear about this, Mark? The torture memo? Yeah, this is uh, the release of the Bush torture memos from right. uh, the Obama administration. They finally released four long-awaited legal memos used by the Bush administration to design its torture program. This is according to Alternet.org. Uh, although their existence, like U.S. torture itself, has been an open secret for years, the memos are nonetheless shocking. Written in a dispassionate legal tone, the document contains the professional opinion of the Office of Legal Counsel Attorneys as they assess the CIA's harsh interrogation techniques. 
Each method is described in sadistic detail and would be surely heinous if experienced on its own, but as pointed out in a famous memo dated 2002, the interrogation team planned to use these techniques in some sort of escalating fashion, culminating with the waterboard, though not necessarily ending with that technique. The torture memos are available in full on the ACLU's website, but if you can't bring yourself to read them, the uh, this article will summarize uh, ten disturbing excerpts that provide a hideous glimpse into what was done in the name of Americans in the so-called War on Terror. Now, of course, uh, the Obama administration releasing this, it's one of the few right things I think they've done so far. Uh, you know, they deserve to be applauded for yeah. the, the few things that they've done that have been uh, correct, and I think this is the right thing. I don't know if this means that his administration won't engage in these things. I'm not sure about that. Uh, they but, don't seem to mind killing Pakistanis. Right. So, in releasing these memos, it's our intention to assure those who carried out their duties, relying in good faith upon legal advice from the Department of Justice, that they will not be subject to prosecution. Well, there's, a, there's another minus one for you right there. That's what Obama said in a statement about these documents. So basically, they're saying, okay, we're going to put this out there so you can see how... The Republicans are bad, but the CIA agents that did this stuff, well, they're okay. Right. They were were just following orders. Right. We're putting this out there so the American people can see how horrific this is, but at the same time, we're going to reassure you folks that no consequences whatsoever will befall you. Those of you who engaged in these activities, those of you who tortured these other men... In Guantanamo Bay and other places around the world, presumably it's the secret the secret prisons, you're all okay. No 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 uh, Nuremberg trials for you. So they go on to say that uh, this is a time for reflection, not retribution. We've been through a dark and painful chapter in our history, but a time of great challenges and disturbing disunity. Nothing will be gained by spending our time and energy laying blame for the past. Yeah, I'm sure those men that uh, had that done to them, they don't feel that way. They feel that way too. You know, I generally, uh, I do uh, believe in forgiveness. I think that people should be forgiven. It's, I think it's best if they ask for the forgiveness. Uh, but, but nonetheless, I, I, am one, I am one who is not interested in retaliation. I'm not interested in retribution. But all that said, it is kind of despicable that they're just throwing it right out there. Hey, you guys are A-OK with us. You can torture and get away with it. Because if they're saying they're getting away with it now, then that means they'll get away with it in the future. And that's the problem. If, if torture is continuing and they're looking at this and they're saying, oh, we're safe to torture now, no problems here, then they're essentially kind of endorsing it yeah. in a way. And that's, I think, disturbing. You know, and everybody brings up when this is, uh, you know, when torture is brought up, they always start thinking of situations like 24 where, you know, you've got to torture the guy to find out where the uh, atomic bomb is in the middle of the town. Look. Torture doesn't work. The info's a lot of times false. Right. You know, they, they, if, if it was time-sensitive, which this is supposed, supposedly about, then they lie in order to give themselves more time. And when they do finally give up information, it's been, you know, so you know, messed up with a bunch of lies that it doesn't really matter. So here are a handful of the things that they did. Walling. A flexible Walling. false wall will be constructed. The individual is placed with his heels touching the wall. The interrogator pulls the individual forward, then quickly and firmly pushes the individual into the wall. It is the individual's shoulder blades that hit the wall. During this motion, the head and neck are supported with a rolled hood or towel that provides a sea collar effect to help prevent whiplash. 
You have orally informed us that the false wall is the part is in part constructed to create a loud sound when the individual hits it, which will further shock or surprise the individual. In part, the idea is to create a sound that will make the impact seem far worse than it is, and that will be far worse than any injury that might result from the action. Now, I'm told that these, uh, it's my understanding, these go in order of horrendousness. But it hurts. Yeah. Right? I mean, uh, that, it's That's clearly. Clean. Number two, the facial or insult slap. With a facial slap or insult slap, the interrogator slaps the individual's face with fingers slightly spread. The hand makes contact with the area directly. That way it can go faster and hurt more. With the area directly between the tip of the individual's chin and the bottom of the corresponding earlobe. The interrogator invades the individual's personal space. The goal of the facial slap is not to inflict physical pain that's severe or lasting. But, instead, they, keep, but they keep their uh, their fingers splayed so they can move faster. Instead, the purpose of the facial slap is to induce shock, surprise, and or humiliation. Number three, cramped confinement and insects placed in a confinement box. You would nice. like to place Abu Zubdaya in a cramped confinement box with an insect. You've informed us he appears to have a fear of insects. In particular, you would like to tell Zubdaya that you intend to place a stinging insect into the box with him. You would, however, place a harmless insect in the box. You have orally informed us that you would, in fact, place a harmless insect such as a caterpillar in the box with him. Focusing in part on the fact that the boxes will be without light, placement in these boxes would con- constitute a procedure designed to disrupt profoundly the senses. With respect to the small confinement box, you have informed us that he would spend at most two hours in this box. For the larger box in which he can both stand and sit, he may be placed in this box for up to 18 hours at a time. We've stopped doing this to prison inmates in the United States. Putting them in boxes? Yeah, yeah decades ago. I've never torture. even heard of that. Yeah. Hot boxing. Right. So you can have a, a solitary cell in prison, which you can actually get up and walk around in a little bit. In this case, you could maybe sit or stand in this box. That's really constricting. Number four, dietary manipulation. This technique involves the substitution of commercial liquid meal replacements for normal food, presenting detainees with a bland, unappetizing, but nutritionally complete diet. Yummy. You've informed us that the CIA believes dietary manipulation makes other techniques, such as sleep deprivation, more effective. Medical officers are required to ensure adequate fluid and nutritional intake, and frequent uh, medical monitoring takes place while any detainee is undergoing dietary manipulation. There are five, uh, six more, rather, and we'll get to those here in moments, sharing with you what they did. What the government people did in your name, because if you pay income taxes or you use Federal Reserve notes... You're paying for this. 800-259-9231, and they're going to get away with it. That's what they've already uh, pledged to. They've pledged to protect these guys that engaged in this uh, this behavior. More on the way. You can dial in and bring up whatever you want. It is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show. If you dial in and bring up whatever you want, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site, they're completely free, so enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. And those features include live streams, Shrine of Female listeners, updates, and more. Giving it all away at freetalklive.com. If you've been looking to spice things up in the bedroom or fantasizing about surprising your lover with an adventurous new toy or adult movie, here's an offer you won't be able to resist. Go to AdamEve.com and get 50% off of one item. That's 50% off of one item when you type in FTL for the offer code coupon checkout, plus with your 
order of $17 or more, they'll throw in a free gift. It's 50% off, 50% off with offer code FTL at AdamEve.com. 800-259-9231. Talking about torture. And the memos have come out about what techniques the, uh, the government bureaucrats were using against the Guantanamo inmates, possibly the folks over in the secret prisons in Europe, and they're pretty disturbing. Uh, the, you know, this is, this is information that hadn't come out before, and we're sharing it with you. These are excerpts. Obviously, the memos are much longer, uh, but Alternet.org is sharing some of the excerpts of 10, at least 10 of the techniques that are confirmed to have been used in Guantanamo Bay. Now, you might listen to these things, and you might say, oh, that doesn't sound so bad. Oh, they're going to put a bug in a box and keep somebody in a box. That doesn't sound so bad. That's not going to kill anybody. You might say that, but you also need to remember that we're talking about human beings here. Uh, and, and we don't belong over there in the first place. We don't belong over there in the first place. The, the uh, Department the of government. Defense should be defending our country, right. not out you know, gallivanting all over the world, create, you know, figuring out, you know, fighting wars that politicians have created. And it should also be remembered that the people that they engaged in these techniques with, besides the fact that we shouldn't have even been there in the first place, they were rounded up off the streets in many places like places like Pakistan by the local uh, warlords or whoever, or the government people. They essentially were getting paid for each person they rounded up, so they rounded up some people they might not have liked, and they just dumped them off into the hands of the the U.S. government. At least that's as I understand the, the story. Well, it's certainly not the, the, the case with every one of them. And uh, if you, whoever but none, you t- of, no, but none of them were convicted, though. You're right, Mark. Right. There may have been some bad guys there in there. There certainly were some bad guys in but there. But none of them were brought to a trial. Absolutely None of them not. were convicted. Well, you, were can't, through this. you can't have a trial for a war, but the problem is, is we, don't have, we, we haven't declared war. We don't have a right. legitimate enemy. This is a situation where you're trying to track down terror, whatever the hell that is, around the world. Yeah. Like it, It's a mess. Well, it's right. a mess. The and whole, we shouldn't have been involved in it in the first place. The whole concept of, of terror is this ephemeral, uh, nebulous concept that doesn't... You can't nail it down, right? So they just, they just say, well, we know it, we see it. You're a terrorist. If you want to go after the people that cause terror, go after the people that do the nightly news, for God's sake. I mean, that's, that's, what, they, mm. that's what they sell. Terror. Well, I would say that government people are the real terrorists because they're using violence to achieve their, their political and social ends. Julia is joining us here tonight, a little late, but uh, better than never. Welcome to the program. Hello. Okay, we're talking about torture here, Julia, and you've come in in the midst of a list that Alternate.org is sharing with us. The uh, Obama administration, and one of the few right things that they've actually done, has released a list of things that uh, were done to prisoners in Guantanamo Bay and other places under the Bush administration. So I want to continue those, and we're going to get to your phone calls. Here are the remaining techniques. Nudity. This technique is in, uh, used to cause psychological discomfort, particularly if a detainee for cultural or other reasons is especially modest. When the technique is employed, clothing can be provided as an instant reward for cooperation. During and between interrogations, interrogation sessions, a detainee may, may be kept nude, provided that ambient temperatures and the health of the detainee permit. Interrogators can exploit the detainee's fear of being seen naked. In addition, female officers involved in the interrogation process may see the detainees naked, and we will assume that detainees subjected to nudity as an interrogation technique are aware that they may be seen naked by females. Many of these guys are very, very religious in a way that is very prudish, and this is a a potent technique. Yep. Number six, an abdominal slap. 
In this technique, the interrogator strikes the abdomen of the detainee with the back of his open hand. The interrogator must have no rings or other jewelry on his hand. The interrogator is positioned directly in front of the detainee, generally no more than 18 inches from the detainees. With his fingers held tightly together and fully extended, and with his palm toward the interrogator's own body, using his elbow as a fixed pivot point, the interrogator slaps the detainee in the detainee's abdomen. The interrogator may not use a fist, and the slap must be delivered above the navel and below the sternum. This technique is used to condition a detainee to pay attention to the interrogator's questions and to dislodge expectations that the detainee will not be touched. Number seven, water dousing and flicking. Cold water is poured on the detainee either from a container or this from... This is a... sick. <laughs> oh, it's just it's... begun. It's not nice stuff. No, it's not what I wanted to come... Mm-hmm. Sorry about that. No, it's, it's not a problem, but man, this is horrible stuff. Yep, and we all paid for it. Uh, this technique is intended... Okay, so it also could come from either a container or a hose without a nozzle. This technique is intended to weaken the, tain- the detainee's resistance and persuade him to cooperate with interrogators. It's just persuasion, that's all. Just gentle, water-based <laughs> persuasion. <laughs> water-based persuasion. Uh, a medical officer must observe and monitor the detainee throughout application of the technique, including for signs of hypothermia. You may also, or you also have described a variation of water dowsing involved much smaller quantities of water. This variation is known as flicking. Flicking of water is achieved by the interrogator wetting his fingers, then flicking them at the detainee, propelling droplets at the detainee. Flicking of water is done in an effort to create a distracting effect, to awaken, to startle, to irritate, to instill humiliation, or to cause temporary insult. Although water may be flicked into the detainee's face with this variation, the flicking of water at all times is done in such a manner as to avoid the inhalation or ingestion of water by the detainee. Now, I think it's interesting that throughout this, they're tempering everything, right? Well, we're going to have a medical officer here. We're going to make sure that we hit him only in the, you know, below the sternum and above the belly button. And you know, they're being very precise about all this. Now... How accurately? Well, it's the science of torture, which scares right. me the most. But, they but, didn't get they didn't get here um, to this point without a bunch of uh, empirical de- evidence. Right, but but how likely do you think it is that these guards, these government bureaucrats, are adhering to this word? For right, word? they remove all their rings before uh, uh, you know administering the abdominal slap. Yeah. They only pivot at the elbow. Right. Of course, they wouldn't use their shoulder and put their no. whole body into administering this, no. uh, you know, this slap. Well, and and I'm sure and that there's if video they evidence. Did, what? So what? So what? Is the detainee going to tell on you? Right, right. You've got it. Is so he ever going to see the inside of a courtroom or anybody else besides the uh, the, the the questioners and the staff? Y- you know, if you punch me in the stomach enough or slap me in the whatever, if I'll say whatever you want me to say. And that's just it, as Mark pointed out, uh, that that's what torture will result in, is they'll tell you what you want to hear. Yep. Not necessarily the truth. All right, so we continue here. There's evidence, uh, you know, evidence piled upon evidence that uh, that police officers, when they don't administer things like this, can get people to confess to crimes that they did not commit. So just by being intimidated, well, and you know, they they've got techniques. So we've been uh, all over the map so far, but there are three remaining, and the next one is an incredibly potent one. The next one is incredibly sick and twisted and and just awful. And I speak from personal experience. 800-259-9231. It's sleep deprivation. We will get into that. And you can call in about whatever's on your mind. 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. Comment on torture or whatever you want. That is why we call it Free Talk Live. 800-259-9231. 
This program is brought to you by Freekeen.com. Freekeen.com features audio, video, and blogs chronicling the transition to a voluntary society. Freekeen.com also has comments and discussion forums so you can be heard. Freekeen.com. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show, and you can dial in toll-free. Bring up whatever's on your mind, 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Julia. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site, they're totally free, so enjoy those on us, including... The updates. Get signed up. We keep you in the loop. Whenever there's something you need to know about Free Talk Live, go to updates.freetalklive.com. Get on the list free. That is updates.freetalklive.com. If you have a company that needs to try something new in the area of collections, SACL CAI does collections, early out billing, and they purchase charged-off receivables. SACL's employees are trained in resolving issues for your customers and treating them with respect. They know that not only do you want to collect your money, but you want to keep your clients, too. SACL CAI. You can see their banner at freetalklive.com. It's the top one on the right-hand side of the page, SACL CAI. We've been sharing with you a disturbing list of 10, uh, at least 10, maybe they have more than this, but 10 torture techniques that were utilized, or persuasion as they're calling them. Uh, Counting them down from from number 10. And so we're uh, sharing these with you from alternate.org. There's some paperwork, I guess, that the Obama administration has released from the Bush, their memos essentially from during the Bush administration revealing exactly how depraved the torture methods uh, actually ended up becoming. And at the same time, they're reassuring the torturers that nothing will be done to them, that they're all okay, that everything is going to be safe. So we're just putting this out there so people can know you guys don't have to worry about a thing. So now you can know exactly what was going on in your name as we continue this list. Number eight, sleep deprivation. The primary method of sleep deprivation involves the use of shackling to keep the detainee awake. In this method, the detainee is standing and is handcuffed. The handcuffs are attached by a length of chain to the ceiling. The detainee's hands are shackled in front of his body. So the detainee has approximately a two to three foot diameter of movement. The detainee's feet are shackled to a bolt in the floor. In lieu of standing sleep deprivation, the detainee may instead be seated on and shackled to a small stool. The stool supports the detainee's weight, but is too small to permit the subject to balance himself sufficiently enough to go to sleep. We understand that a detainee undergoing sleep deprivation is generally fed by hand by CIA personnel, so he need not be unshackled. If the detainee is clothed, he wears an adult diaper under his pants. If the detainee is wearing a diaper, it is checked regularly and is changed as necessary. The use of the diaper is for sanitary and health purposes of the detainee, is not used for the purpose of humiliating the detainee, no, of course not, and is not considered to be an interrogation technique. The maximum allowable duration for sleep deprivation authorized by the CIA is 180 hours. Good Lord. That's more than a week. You've informed us that to date more than a dozen detainees have been subjected to sleep deprivation for more than 48 hours and that three detainees have been subjected to sleep deprivation of more than 96 hours. Now, if you just listen to that, and you don't know what sleep deprivation is like, you may not really have any idea as to why that's so horrible. I mean, first of all, it's bad enough just the whole part about forcing someone to stand still with their hands shackled in one location and, you know, bolted to the floor. That's bad enough because they can't sit down. 
the, if they're in that position where their hands are shackled and tied to the ceiling, yeah. it can't sit down. Otherwise, you're going to be hanging from your wrists. You're certainly not going to get any sleep in that manner. No, that's going to hurt a lot. Right. So, so you're gonna, forced. The, the, the cuffs that are holding you there are going to bind so much, you just can't. You wouldn't be able to handle that for more than a moment. Can, I, I mean, I can tell you, I've worked at, uh, at jobs. I've worked at a job uh, in retail where I had to stand at a cash register for, you know, four hours at a time, basically, until you, you get a break, 15-minute break. You go on the break and sit down and rest for a bit. And even being at the cash register where you're not, you know, in a torture rack, uh, chained on anything, you can, you can at least pace around, you can walk a little bit, you can kind of shake your legs out a bit. Even just standing in that one general area for four hours is an incredibly difficult task. I mean, it's, it's not an easy matter to just stand up in one place for a long period of time. That's that's draining. Right. It, the, the, you know, clearly, uh, in, to my to my mind, sleep dev- deprivation is uh, torture. But, you know, when you look at this, sleep deprived people are, go crazy. I mean, yes, there's no doubt. So you're asking crazy people questions. That's going to get you some kind of, uh, you know, great answer. Why not go know. to the insane asylum and ask them yeah. questions? Because that's what happens. That's a good I mean, point. <laughs> sleep is your, you know, sleep is your recharge time. There's a reason why we sleep. And I don't. I know that science doesn't really fully understand what sleep is, but we do understand that it's a time where you know if you've worked out the day earlier, your muscles you know rebuild themselves, and uh, your brain, I believe, actually takes everything that you've sort of learned and done and experienced throughout that day when mm-hmm. you sleep and organizes it, puts it you know where it's supposed to be. I mean, it's it's important for so many reasons, not just physical reasons. Right. So your brain has a chance to reorganize itself and kind of reflect on the day and, and my set understanding, itself up. It's my understanding your brain needs the sleep that your body does not. Um, mm-hmm. It, is, it yeah. is used, you know, it is good for building muscle, um, but, you know, if you're on a workout schedule or you're doing marathons or something like that, but those, that would be the only time the body really needs that kind of rest. Okay, but nonetheless, nonetheless. Uh, it's yeah. a very useful thing because well, you gotta of, have it. because without it you do go insane and the insanity is going to start to set in, you know, around the 48-hour point, which is what Shoot. they're saying here. Uh, maybe even sooner than that. I mean, depending on how how used you uh, if you're, you know, if you're an insomniac and you're used to staying up at 36-hour intervals, then well, it probably won't be a big deal in the beginning. But if you get up to 180 hours, the maximum allowed by the CIA, I mean, the information the hallucinations that they, would be frightening. Right. The, the, the information that they've gotten from you is completely worthless at that point. It's just torture. Yes. And we actually had uh, Mike, one of our former co-hosts on the show, had told us that he did this as an experiment one time for like a science experiment or something like that when he was younger. And that he and you're looking like you don't believe this. I don't know. It's so difficult. to. I don't think a person can keep themselves awake. I don't know. Uh, he claimed he did it, and he claimed that he was going nuts. You, know, you can certainly the go on the YouTube. The longest where... I've ever stayed up would probably be around the 48-hour mark, mm-hmm. and I can tell you that at that point in time, I am definitely hallucinating. You were hallucinating by then, and, yeah. Yeah, and, and there's all kinds of other negative side effects, but I mean, definitely seeing things that are not there at that point in time. Number nine. They've got all kinds of uh, you know science experiments you can see on YouTube of people who have been sleep deprived and had people there you know like keeping them awake because what you get is these micro naps and an Where individual. You nod and you yeah. just kind of. But fall you off. never go into REM sleep, so you never actually get any real rest. Because oh, isn't that? Uh, believe me, it just just the, the the top level of sleep will be helpful. It's I'm not it's not great. 
Number nine, combination of techniques. Your office has outlined the manner in which many of the individual techniques were previously considered can be, uh, could be combined. In a prototypical interrogation, the detainee begins his first interrogation session stripped of his clothes, shackled and hooded, with a wowling collar over his head and around his neck. The interrogators remove the hood and explain that the detainee can improve his situation by cooperating. You know, this is exactly what happened to Sam, just a little bit more severe, where it's all about you and obedience. It's all about you do what they say, and you get some privileges. Otherwise, you're going to be all alone and possibly tortured. And this is how it works, whether you're in your local jail or you're in Guantanamo Bay. It's just the severity that differs. That's all. Uh, Interrogators can remove the hood... And explain that they will improve their situation if they cooperate, and they may say that the interrogators will do what it takes to get important information. As soon as the detainee does anything inconsistent with the interrogator's instructions, the interrogators use an insult slap or an abdominal slap. They employ walling if it becomes clear the detainee is not cooperating in the interrogation. The sequence may continue for several more iterations as the interrogators continue to measure the detainee's resistance posture and apply a negative consequence to his resistance efforts. The interrogators and security officers then put the detainee into position for standing sleep deprivation, begin dietary manipulation through a liquid diet, and keep the detainee nude except for a diaper. The first interrogation session, which could have lasted... A diaper that's there for the sanitary purposes of the that's inmate, and it's not there for uh, you know, humiliation. No, of course not. Uh, the first interrogation session, which could have lasted from 30 minutes to several hours, would then be at an end. If the interrogation deter- uh, team determines there's a need to continue, and if the medical, psychological, and psychological personnel advise there are no contraindications, a second session may begin. So we've been through nine of these, and number nine is uh, pointing out how they combine these together. They don't just use one at a time. They combine these techniques. And remember... We talked to Sam earlier tonight about how it was that just the local cops who haven't been trained in these techniques, you know, they use slipshod measures. They don't care that much about how they're handling their victims. So if you think these people are just adhering to the rules, you're fooling yourself. Live, you can dial up, bring up anything, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll free line. Joining you tonight, it's Ian here with you. And Julia. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site, they are totally free, so enjoy those on us. Uh, Again, freetalklive.com. If you like the show and you want to help support Free Talk Live, you can do that by shopping with us at amazon.freetalklive.com. Enter Amazon through that link, and Free Talk Live will get a percentage of your purchase. Dozens of categories in which you can shop, even used items. Free Super Saver shipping on a whole lot of items. Great shopping experience. User reviews of a whole bunch of products. There's really no reason to shop anywhere else. Amazon.freetalklive.com. Get the stuff you want delivered to your door, and great prices, too. Amazon.freetalklive.com. Com. Talking about the torture techniques that were utilized down in the Guantanamo prison, possibly in secret prisons around the world as well, uh, during the Bush administration. Now, nobody's saying these are going to be uh, no longer used during the Obama administration. They're just revealing the information for whatever reason. I'm not, I'm not even sure what their motivation is here. What do you think their motivation is to reveal this information? To say Republicans are bad, because it's clear that they, you know, they said, whoa, 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 we're not going to... Watch. Don't worry about it, CIA guys. We're not going after you. We don't think you did it. We understand the guys that turned on the gas and the gas chambers weren't responsible. 
it was it was the guys who were in, in charge of the uh, the administration that were responsible. They're reassuring the the lower level bureaucrats that they will face no consequences if they engage in this behavior. And do you think that the uh, people that were in the Bush administration, besides Spain calling them war criminals, <laughs> um, are going to face any kind of consequences? There oh. are, they pledged no. to not bring consequences. Now we can't go to Spain or Vermont. Crap. So, uh, and, and as we've been reading through here, this is written in a very uh, specific kind of legal tone. It's not really legalese necessarily, but it's also not a real uh, downer of a, a viewpoint on, on torture. It's just kind of a, a very matter of fact, here's what we do, and listen, listen to us uh, because we have so many different safety measures that we've put in here. We're really concerned for these inmates' safety, and so trust us that these guards are really just really looking out for these folks. Now that of That's course, why they're hitting them. Right. That, of course, clashes with anybody's experience of a sadist, uh, sadistic cop. If you've ever experienced a sadistic cop or if you've ever you know, known somebody who's experienced a sadistic cop, you know that these guys will break whatever rules they can get away with breaking. So if this t- the text on how you do these torture methods, which I think are awful just on their face, if the text says, well, you must check this and you must make sure of that and have medical personnel on hand, remember, it's sadists that are likely the ones that are engaging in these torturing methods. And if anybody reads this list and just says to themselves, oh, well, this doesn't sound so bad, they're really concerned for the medical well-being of these so prisoners. So what, they slap you in the abdomen and then they send you down to the nurse's office? They, they claim all kinds of things, that they, you know, they're really uh, cautious <laughs> and that they're really making sure that they're doing things that are only going to, to uh, engage in psychological uh, torture and not actually inflict real, long, you know, real damage to these people. But th- th- those are just the rules. It's not the reality. It's not the, the reality of what really happened in those torture rooms. Which, of course, we are, as we already know, these folks are not going to be held accountable for, so you'll never actually get to find out unless the men who have been involved will reveal the stories about what happened. I'll let every detainee that has been tortured who was really not a terrorist now is a terrorist. You know, Do they let them out? The Some qu- of them have been let out. The question, Yeah, they do. Um, the question you have to ask yourself here is what kind of person chooses to get into torture? Somebody who who wants to uh, you know protect their country, do the right thing, um, you know get information that kind of thing, or somebody who you know kind of has a little a thing, get a little little joy out of that. Because uh, yeah. I don't want to do that personally. I don't want to use and and I've heard it on Glenn Beck. They said they did it. Yeah, you know compressed air to blow someone's eardrum out, Odd. so that they'll confess. I don't want to do that job. So the question is, who, who would would a sicko, a sadist? Number 10, waterboarding. Finally, you would like to use a technique called the waterboard. In this procedure, this is from, by the way, alternate.org. In this procedure, the individual is bound securely to an inclined bench, which is approximately 4 feet by 7 feet. The individual's feet are generally elevated. A cloth is placed over the forehead and eyes. Water is then applied to the cloth in a controlled manner. As this is done, the cloth is lowered until it covers both the nose and mouth. Once the cloth is saturated and completely covers the mouth and nose, airflow is slightly restricted for 20 to 40 seconds due to the presence of the cloth. This causes an increase in carbon dioxide levels in the individual's blood. This increase in the carbon dioxide level stimulates an increased effort to breathe. This effort, plus the cloth, produces the perception of suffocation and incipient perception panic. of suffocation, as though building up of carbon dioxide in the uh, interrogee's blood 
is not suffocation. Actual, yeah, you're actually right. dying. That's actually suffocation. Right. Now, it's not the full end of suffocation, but what you're doing is you're suffocating them some. Partial. Partial suffocation. Right. right. So the way that this is phrased is inaccurate. The perception of drowning, they say. We find the use of the waterboard constitutes a threat of imminent death. As you've explained the waterboard procedure to us, it creates in the subject the uncontrollable physiological sensation that the subject is drowning. Although the waterboard constitutes a threat of imminent death, prolonged mental harm must nonetheless result to violate the statutory prohibition on infliction of severe mental pain or suffering. You've advised us the reli- that the relied is almost immediate when the cloth is removed relied, I think they mean relief, that the relief is almost immediate when the cloth is removed from the nose and mouth. In the absence of prolonged mental harm, no severe mental pain or suffering would have been inflicted. No big deal. This is no big deal. Getting people to believe they're, they're dying. No, there's no mental harm there. Uh, no, or, no severe mental pain or suffering would have been inflicted, and the use of these procedures would not constitute torture. So there you go. So it's it. only torture if you touch somebody or physically. No, no, there are things in no, here no, you're allowed to do that. Be touched. Oh. They they shove. One of the first ones was shoving somebody up against a wall, and a couple of them involved slapping one across the face, one uh, hitting in the uh, the stomach uh, area, and locking somebody in a box, locking their hands uh, to where they it, can't sit down, they can't go to sleep. All of these things uh, combined in various different manners, and then finally, uh, finally resulting in waterboarding if they still haven't given up whatever information, which, as you pointed out, may or may not be accurate. In fact, is uh, not very likely to be accurate. So there you have it. There you have the information. Now, what do you do with it? Because you can look at that information and you can say, wow, that's really horrible. And then you must ask yourself, what can you do about it? Well, um, I was thinking today, and, and this is going to sound petty and sad, right? Like this is, this is just one guy doing one little thing and I, you know, like it, it's, it's embarrassingly small. But, you know, I was, I'm, I'm looking at this cigar thing and they've increased the taxes on cigars from five cents, I believe, to 40 cents. Mm-hmm. Jeez. My federal c- tax. Yeah, the federal taxes. My cigars cost about 50 cents a piece. I mean, these are drugstore cigars. They used to cost that. They did. Yes. Now they cost, I guess, 90 cents. I don't know. I haven't purchased any. Uh, the day that I heard about it, I went to the store. There were, you know, there was the same price, so I bought them all. Yeah. And um, I, I don't know how many I have, but I have quite a few. I, I, I'm not going to give any extra money to the government. I mean, that's $300 a year is what I figured it out at. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've just... I can't see doing it. I cannot see giving $300 a year to the government. It's voluntary taxation that I choose to to pay, and I'm just not willing to do it. Um, you know, I've got a family. I'm not willing to, to, to stop paying income tax. Certainly my wife is not willing for me um, to, you know, to voluntarily say that I'm going to stop paying income tax. So I, I really can't do that. But I'm not going to give them $300 a year. It's something. Little baby steps. You know, whatever you can do to withdraw your tacit support... Uh, your silent consent with this system, I think, is is worthwhile. Uh, so you should be congratulated for that, Mark. Anybody that's taking steps in that direction, I think, should be applauded. Because in reality, there's not really any way for us to avoid funding this stuff. You know what sucks is I like smoking my cigar. And because they put these taxes on it, um, that, that voluntary interaction between me and the cigar maker cannot go on any longer. You could always uh, get some marijuana, roll that up. Oh, I was just going to say, see, here's uh, the government. No tax there. Exactly. You go to the black market, you start smoking a little weed before your nap instead. and Uh, That doesn't really work for me very well. It doesn't really. A lot of people swear by uh, smoking before bed. Yeah, well, it's not for me. 
800-259-9231. Let's talk to you about whatever you want. Talk to Steve in Colorado. You're on Free Talk Live. Steve. Hey there. Hey. Uh, I'm feeling a little bit under the weather, so I apologize if I don't sound all that great on Go the ahead, radio. Go Steve. What's on your mind tonight? Well, um, as far as the torture thing, um, I was going to say that, uh, well, you know, those guys are just doing their job, aren't they? The CIA <laughs> guys. Why should they be prosecuted? They're just following orders. Yavol. So, right? <laughs> Yavol. <laughs> yeah. so, sounds familiar, doesn't it? Yes, <laughs> yes it sure does. Um, I got a little story in my email, and uh, I'm not sure if it's true or not. It doesn't really matter because, true or not, it is what would happen if this circumstance uh, was to actually happen. Apparently, what it says is that an economic professor in Texas somewhere um, once failed an entire class. Is that in the music? It is. We're going to find out the rest of your story here in moments. Hang on. 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. Hour number three is coming up. You can bring up whatever's on your mind, as always. Coming up, the Pirate Bay found guilty. What does it mean? We'll look at it in moments. It's Free Talk Live. With your help, we can spread the message of liberty around the world. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month now at amp.freetalklive.com. If you can't afford it, keep enjoying us for free. If you can spare the three, visit amp.freetalklive.com. Show is Free Talk Live. We are launching into hour number three of the program. You can dial toll-free 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. And it's Ian here with you. And Julia. And Mark. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. The features on the site, they're totally free, so enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com is the site. We continue with your call. Steve in Colorado, back to you. You were just getting into telling us a story, and you didn't have enough time. So go ahead and uh, kick that off again, would you? Okay, sure. Um, Apparently, there's an economics professor in some university in Texas. As I said, I don't know if this story is true or not, but it, it certainly rings true when you listen to the whole thing or read the whole thing. Uh, and apparently he said that he never failed a student, but he once failed an entire class. Hmm. He, he said that um, this, he had this one particular class that were really excited about socialism, the majority of them were anyway. And so he was sort of pressing them on why they thought it was so great, and they said the word that kept coming up was the word equality because, you know, it's 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 good for equality or whatever. So he said, okay, great, let's do this. Let's take your grades of all your tests, and to make it equal, what we'll do is we'll average the grade, and then you'll all, we'll, you'll all get the same grade. That way, you know, nobody will be poor and nobody will be rich. You know, everybody will be all the same. It will be equal. It will be equality. Mm-hmm. So the first round of the first test came, and they, the average was a B. Everybody was happy. And then the second test came, and the average was a C because suddenly the people who had studied very hard – weren't so inspired to study as hard, and as as the weeks progressed, the grade, the average grade got lower and lower. The bickering and fighting and, and accusatory statements in the class classroom, you know, grew to uh, to to be a great uh, noise, a great din, um, and uh, the grades kept plummeting. And finally, the final grade was an F, and mm. the entire class failed. So I don't know if that's a true story or not, but it certainly rings true. It reminded me of the very first. Uh, the story of the first Thanksgiving. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. It's uh, it's a perfect analogy to the history of the attempts of socialism around the world. 
Right, exactly. Yeah. You know, and, and I almost hated the call, really, because I was really getting excited about that. Well, I shouldn't say excited is not the right word. I was really getting motivated by the uh, the torture story. But I just hate socialism so much, I can't help but talk about it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I got that same email, and I do think it's an awesome email. And it yeah. didn't happen, uh, but... <laughs> How do you know it didn't happen? Well, I looked it up on Snopes. Oh, okay. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's listed as a legend. Um, let's see, it's uh, in, in March 2009, one of the email forwards from a movement that was a uh, piece quoted above. It appeared variously entitled, Excellent Lesson Economics, Great Experiment, Experiment in Socialism, Texas Professor, Simple Analogy, Great Lesson of Socialism, Economics 101, hmm. Something for Nothing, uh, Perfect Analogy, Simple Economics, and Capitalism versus Socialism. There is indeed a real school named Texas Tech in Lubbock, Texas, but the school is merely the latest setting to illustra- um, for this illustrative tale meant to explain the teller's belief that communism or socialism, the terms are used interchangeably throughout, um, though the meanings are different, cannot work. And another example is an illustrative tale used to explain how that might work otherwise, um, be, uh, be a difficult concept to grasp, is the how taxes work item that was widely circulated in 2002. While we can't yet pin down the origin of the grade averaging piece, anecdotal evidence indicates it's at least 15 years older than its 2009 outbreak would tend to indicate, hmm. in that one of the readers says that he heard it at a Bible college in 1994 from a professor teaching world civics. Interesting. So, oh, wow. It's kind of it's cool. It's and funny. It's not like it could never happen. And I yeah. think that these uh, you know the email stories are good illustrative stories. And I love the way they're written because they can be so motivating. But yeah. mm-hmm. the chances are, if you get it for, in the email, it's not just true. not true. <laughs> it's right. funny how it's funny how it bubbles up though. I mean, if it if it really did come up 20 years ago and it, it was being passed around in academic circles, now it's bubbled up as an email forward that yeah. um, millions of people perhaps have seen. There's valuable lessons right. in it. Yeah, I, I regard it uh, – well, I mean, when I first heard it, I said, well, I don't know, probably didn't happen. I at least regarded it as a very good parable anyway. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I'd, I'd see nothing wrong with that except I can't – you know, on the radio show, I can't say, oh, you know, I can't let something go that I know is the, the truth. I, mean, I just can't let my – you know. Right. Yeah, well, well, of course. And let's talk a little bit about what they're pointing out there as to what the, the reasons are that something like that could really happen and why it draws a line, why it is analogous to what happened in real real life socialist uh, countries. And that yeah. is because in under socialism, if everybody is equal and guaranteed the same amount of results, to, to, you know, uh, that it is not commensurate with the amount of efforts that they put into the production uh, process. And of course, we're ignoring the whole fact that the production process is centrally controlled and centrally planned, and that's all kinds of uh, bad for the economy. And, right. Uh, the, the people that had to study really, really, really hard to get B's or A's, mm-hmm. they say to themselves, "Well, I'm going to let the work of studying be done by the people that are good at it, and the uh, the people that." are naturally smart i'm going to let them take care of that whole studying getting good grades thing i'm going to do what i'm good at which is drinking beer and partying or whatever it is that they do and it right. just and then as the, as the quality continues to decline again these none of them have the, the proper incentives they don't have their own individual best interests in mind because what no matter what they do they'll be affected uh by the the rest of the group so what happens is that you know that first grade came through and it was okay the second grade came through and it was a little bit worse and as they begin to see quality continue to decline, they understand that even if they start really 
putting in significant effort, let's say they, they could study twice as hard as they were studying otherwise, even if they study twice as hard, they're not going to get any real significant return on investment because if other people are dropping off, if they're not studying as much, then they're increasing in studying. It does nothing right. to, uh, to bring it, the grade. It's a drop uh, in the bucket. Yeah. So, so they're frustrated by that, and then eventually the producers... That's who we're talking about here. The people that are getting the A's on the test, the producers, are going to throw up their hands and they're going to say, ah, that's it. I'm not studying, I'm not studying right. like I used to. Why, why am I bother? Gonna, why am I going to study my butt off for a D or an F when I could just be partying like everybody else? Yeah, get a D I, and an F and party, right? I can watch Scrubs. Screw it. You know what's really funny? I feel like that analogy, like if you were to ask just your average college kid, like, when you do group projects, how do you feel when you worked really hard and other people in your group did this and, you know, everyone got the same grade? How does that make you feel? I Crappy. feel like most people instinctually w- would say, you know, that I hate when that happens. Mm-hmm. It really sucks when that happens. And, and like and it happens something like this story is is such a good illustration. And I feel like most people really, really would understand this. But mm-hmm. when it comes to economics, they just it goes right over their heads. Well, like they just can't yeah. apply... The, the email is pretty good at, sh- at pointing out this is how socialism works. And what I'm curious about is the people that are socialists that get this email. What would they say? I mean, like, I know I don't believe in socialism, so when I get it, I read through it, and I agree with everything it says. It doesn't yeah. get me fired up. I Actually, I did. Uh, it got me fired up, up enough a few weeks ago to look it up on Snopes, so it must have worked. Um, but what, what is it like for a socialist? What well, do they say to themselves? I, I actually have a little bit of insight. On that, prior to 1920, when Mises wrote um, Economic Calculation in the Socialist Commonwealth, where he talked about the economic calculation argument, in other words, how in a socialist society, you don't know how much products to produce and where to allocate them to. Right, because there, um, there aren't uh, any market signals. All of the decisions exactly, are being made no, by a central planning board. Exactly. Prior to Mises writing that 1920, all of the arguments against socialism were like this. They were basically, who's going to take out the trash in your great socialist society, or an argument just like this. And how the socialists would respond is they would say, well, of course, in the socialist public education system that we're going to uh, that we're going to put into effect, we're going to implement, we're going to create a new socialist man. <laughs> and this new socialist man will believe that it's incumbent upon him as a human being to work absolutely as hard as he can yeah. in everything that he does. It's wonderful. It's and a it wonderful works so well in Russia. Yeah, great call tonight, Stephen. Thank you for making it. 800-259-9231. Yeah, I mean, basically they're saying we're going to change human nature, right? I mean, yeah. that's essentially what they were saying. See, now that, and, and, you know, I know socialists hate to have the Soviet Union thrown in their face, but... The fact is, let's the, throw Cuba at them then. The Soviet Union and North Cuba Korea. and these places have had decades, and the Soviet Union had you know multiple decades to educate people in the way that they were going to be educated. They had their socialist system all set up and ready to go. So why didn't they create the socialist man? One eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. Maybe they did, Mark, and we just don't know about it. Maybe Cuba really is a people's paradise. From what I can tell, they took over the world, <laughs> and uh, you know they just happened to collapse in the process. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. You can bring up whatever's on your mind. Take control of the airwaves. This is Free Talk Live. Talk 
Live. You can dial in toll-free and bring up anything. 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Julia. And Mark. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site, they're totally free, so enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. Features including... The Wiki, over 1,800 pages created by listeners just like you. You can go to wiki.freetalklive.com, get interactive. It's totally free. It's like the listener editable version of our website. Go to wiki, wiki.freetalklive.com. Join more than half a million people who've trusted LegalZoom.com for their common legal documents. Incorporate your business, create a will or a living trust, even register a trademark. They do all kinds of stuff. I, there's more dozens of things that they do at LegalZoom.com. I can't even name them all. But they do make it fast and easy. I've done it. I know. Empowering you, protecting you with common legal documents. LegalZoom.com. Use code FTL. You save 10 bucks off your order. It's LegalZoom.com. 800-259-9231. We continue here talking to you about whatever you want. Let's go to Tony in Texas. Tony, you're on Free Talk Live. Well, thank you, guys. Hey, what's on your mind tonight, Tony? Not a whole lot. That was the most thorough breakdown of the torture memo that I have seen out of any news media. That was a great job, gentlemen. Thank well, you. it was Alternet.org that did the hard work. We just read it. Yeah. <laughs> well, I guess good. we did add some commentary to it. but uh, Let me see what y'all think of this. Um you know that we've got the, the the memo with the right-wing extremists came out, and then a couple of days later this torture memo comes out. Do you think they're trying to scare us into submission here? Hey, y'all better chill out or you might be tortured or something like that. I don't know. I mean, I think they're always trying to scare people. That's what the government does best is intimidate and, and create fear in people. I don't know if that was their exact explicit intention, but it's a possibility. Yeah. I was wondering if you gentlemen could give me just a second to promote a liberty-oriented musician. Go ahead, sure. Yeah, um, I upload a lot of videos on YouTube, and I, I, they're just fair use news clips, and I hardly ever ask permission. But I made a mistake, and I downloaded the We Must Take America Back by Steve Faust. I didn't ask him permission. The guy sent me an a, a email or a, you know, a YouTube message with his phone number on it asking me to call, him, call mm-hmm. him. I called him. He asked me to take the video down, and mm-hmm. he said that a local news station was going to interview him you know, about his new song and his video and all this good stuff. And, and they went on YouTube to get some clips from it to use on, on air. And instead they came across my site and it had a bunch of conspiracy videos on it and it only had two or 300 views and they decided mm. to cancel the interview with him. Mm. Oh, no. And this guy was, I mean, this guy is a great guy. He wasn't even mad at me. He just asked me to take the video down. And did so you? I was just, and come to find out, he originally came out with the song 15 years ago on an RCA label. And and it started becoming real popular. It's called We Must Take America Back. This was during the Clinton administration. How are you going to do that? Blacklisted I mean, that's, that's they a nice took idea. the record off the shelves. They took it off the radio stations. Basically what they tried to do to Amy Allen. I'm not familiar yeah. with that. But, I mean, I, I see where he's coming from. I understand the, the mentality of let's take, it a, uh, take America back. But how? I mean, how you can't. It's not possible. America's done for. It's just a matter of time before it all comes to a, a grinding halt and hopefully a, a hopefully non-explosive finish. What do you think happens after that? I, I don't know. But I, don't I think was America thinking it might be the apocalypse. <laughs> maybe, maybe we'll have to rebuild it. I don't think it's worth it. I don't really understand well, what you know, the like, uh, point would be. I, the only thing I really like about um, America from is is the like the flag, the colors. I like the founding fathers, that music that they play. <laughs> I love the thing in front of the Super Bowl that they do. I dig that stuff. But you, you can every, make your own little New Hampshire song. Everything up. else that? doesn't really. 
you know, it's it, what's interesting to me is, you know, like I care deeply about what happens to the people in El Paso, Texas, but not so much of the people in Juarez, Mexico. It's right yeah. across the border. It's feet away. Yeah. I care about what happens in San Diego, but I don't care about what happens in Tijuana. I care about what happens in, uh, uh, you know, uh, Washington State, but I don't care about what happens in British Columbia. Do you see how ridiculously weird that is? Well, I, I don't. I don't see him saying that. I just. I just see him saying. No, uh, no, I'm not saying this the guy Constitution. Does. I'm not saying that guy does. And I, I, I understand that, but it's the. I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of talking about nationalism in general. Like, right. oh, oh, I definitely understand that, and it mostly that it's used to manipulate us. It's not really used for anything, you know, concrete. Yep. And yep, what about and the Constitution? I mean, <laughs> from what I can tell, I've the the religious fervor that goes goes on for the Constitution. I've certainly had it um, in my life, but I as have I in the past. Uh, you know, it's uh, it's really it's not that great of a document. No, as was pointed out recently, the Constitution, uh, when you when you actually look at what it says, could be quite a tyrannical document. They put these uh, the House there and the Senate there. I mean, what were these guys supposed to vote on? They say that it was only supposed to be these uh, certain you know t- twenty powers that the uh, you know protect the, life, liberty, and property. The, the the federal government has, but you know what what's the Senate and the House there for? They did we didn't Make have laws. them. They didn't have them in the uh, Articles of Confederation. I think the Constitution has done exactly what it was supposed to do. Created. Well, I mean, do government. you think it's the Constitution, or is it two hundred years of lawyers breaking it apart and reinterpreting everything? No, I think it's the Constitution. I mean, what, what happened to the Articles of the Confederation? Why did we have to get rid of them? I think that if there's a conspiracy to be had here, the conspiracy was, hey, let's get rid of the uh, Articles of the Confederation that uh, you know pe- people fought and died for, and let's slip this constitution in its place the constitution didn't come around till 1789 we fought that war in 1776 to 1779 i believe that's you know that that good period of time there sure there were some disputes between the states but you know what's the biggie tony thanks for the call tonight 800-259-9231 to gene the christian anarchist in tennessee on the app line well hi guys hey what's on your mind into the uh Thing about torture, I wanted to mention something you talked about the other day, and that was uh, somebody said that we have rights under the Constitution and obligations, and I want to tear that thing apart because there are no obligations in the Constitution. Now, some other com- countries like China, in China's Constitution, they outline rights as well, but they also have obligations for what the citizen is supposed to do. Uh, the Constitution of this fiction called United States does not have any obligation at all in it because they recognize that you could not obligate anybody to do anything without it being a form of slavery. So you can pour over that thing from front to back and you will not find any obligations. Now, there is a mention of the fact that people uh, between a certain age and uh, of the male sex are considered part of the militia, but there's no obligation to perform under that function. Although they, they at the time they would give you all kinds of problems if you did not perform under that function. No, I don't think so. No? I think that there were plenty of people that just said no, forget it. I don't want to be. I don't want to be part of it, and they would just turn and walk away. They didn't compel anybody to perform as part of the militia. I see. Just like when they asked uh, for a posse, they said, you know, they say, hey, how many people want to join the posse? They didn't compel people to join the posse. Well, it was a, it was strictly something that they said. Well, this is your, you know, this is what we consider the militia is all of these adult males, but they didn't compel anybody to perform in that function. 
Yeah, if there's an obligation somewhere, if there's an obligation that binds me to obedience to the federal government, please, have, I'd love to have somebody point it out to me and, and, you know, calling in and saying, well, there's a social contract and it's invisible. Uh, that doesn't count. You know, it, it's, it seems to me the You're only welcome to. <laughs> it seems to me the only obligation that exists are the fact that there are men with guns who are going to hurt you if you don't do what they demand. Now, my wife, my wife is naturalized, and I was there for her naturalization ceremony. And they do, if you're naturalized, they do ask you to, to swear to certain things. And I wouldn't have done it, you know, but, uh, of course, my wife wanted to be a citizen. But right. also, uh, as far as the torture goes... Hang on, we'll get we'll you back. Has... Comment on torture here in a moment. More with Gene. Your calls as well, 800-259-9231. You can bring up anything. And if we get a chance, we'll give you the update on what's happening to the Pirate Bay founders in moments. Our archives, website, and podcast will continue to stay free, but if you think other people deserve to hear this show, consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month at amp.freetalklive.com. Help free some minds. Visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can dial in and bring up anything that you want at 800-259-9231. That number brought to you by our friends at SACL CAI 800-259-9231. It is Ian here with you. And Julia. And Mark. You can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site, they're totally free, so enjoy those on us, including live streams, broadband version, dial-up version, webcam, all free at listen.freetalklive.com. That is listen.freetalklive.com. Do you want liberty in your lifetime? Join the Free State Project at the Porcupine Freedom Festival, June 25th through the 28th, for a weekend of freedom and fun. Early bird registration is only 15 bucks. Visit Porkfest.com. That's Porkfest with a C. Porkfest.com for more information and get signed up. We're, by the way, going to be broadcasting live from the Porcupine Freedom Festival this year, as we did last year. And, of course, last year was an absolute blast. Looking forward to it all over again, this time at a different and hopefully better campground. (laughs) So we continue here, taking your phone calls, and we go back to Gene, the Christian anarchist in Tennessee. Your thoughts on uh, the torture issue, Gene? Go ahead. Well, the, the torture is for one purpose only, and that's to terrorize people. What torture does is it, uh... You know, it doesn't necessarily cause anyone to tell the truth any more than uh, than truth serum does. And now, truth serum probably has at least as good a results and maybe better. Um, the Russians have claimed the, that they have a drug that actually uh, works. So we don't really know the state of the art in the in the drug area, but we know that it's at least as accurate and uh, reliable as torture. The torture, though, has the added effect of terrorizing not just the people who are being tortured, but those who may get caught in the future. So they know what's coming if they get caught. So yeah. it's, that and, it's uh, sh- and, and, and breaking the will, yeah. I think, to some extent, Gene. Um, they don't, you know, the, the, the people that, uh, you know, might be holding out on some secrets, they, they know that if they try to hold out and be tough, that they're going to get this harsh treatment rather than some drug that relaxes you. Yeah, but I mean, uh, there are people that'll just hold out, and then there are others that'll just, uh, like you say, cave in and, and give any kind of information they want them to hear. And that's probably what most people are going to do anyway. They're just going to, you know, make believe that uh, that they're giving them good information when all they're doing is making stuff up because they really don't have any information. Very good. So, or even if they did have information, they'd still make some stuff up just to lead them on a merry chase. What else do you have to share with well, us that's tonight? True too. Did you have anything else to share? 
that was all. But thanks. Uh, thanks a lot. Have a good show, guys. Thanks, dude. 800-259-9231. Rich in Maryland is on the line on the amp line. Hello, Rich. Hi. How are you all doing tonight? Just super, Rich. What's on your mind? Hey, uh, I just wanted to say before I, I get into what I called about that uh, I really uh, love your show. I, I try to listen to it on the podcast every night, and uh, I've been amping for, I think, about a year, and this is the first time I've had an opportunity to call. And it's about a rather top, uh, silly silly topic, actually. All right, sure. Raisin bread. Oh, boy. I had occasion to buy raisin bread. This is my area of expertise. <laughs> well, wonderful. Maybe you can inform me uh, some more details about this. But looking on the back of this brand name raisin bread package, it says 50% more of what you buy raisin bread for, which one would assume would be raisins. Raisin. That's what I was thinking. Uh, the government demands that there be a minimum amount of raisins in each loaf of raisin bread. <laughs> wow. This is not good enough for this brand of raisin bread. Our bread has 50% more raisins than the government asked for. <laughs> and I, I think that's just wonderful to know. Do you know any details about this, Julia? I've never heard of that. I think that's absolutely hilarious. It's probably an FDA rule that says that in order to legitimately call your product raisin bread, it must have a minimum <laughs> amount of raisins in the same way that they have different qualifications and classifications for, like, honey. What you can call honey, for instance, I've heard, and I don't have the details in front of me, but I've heard that you can have stuff that is mostly corn syrup and just a little bit of honey in it, and you can call that, like, grade A honey under the FDA's labeling system so it's it's not the most uh, yeah. honest of if, systems. You, if you want honey go you buy it at the farm stand yeah wow so i love raisin bread uh raisin bread great product makes awesome french toast yeah it's just it, it's cinnamon raisin bread if you read further it mentions that but at first they do mention how they have 50 percent more than the government standard i you for, learn something new every day and i yeah. did not know that but that's Silly. Yeah, we need this regulation. I mean, certainly, people people would like to have a minimum amount of raisins in their bread, but don't you think that after you've gotten the uh, the, the loaf of bread that has some uh, cinnamon swirled in and nine raisins, that you're going to say, holy crap, this thing doesn't have any damn raisins in it. I'm never going to yeah. buy this brand of raisin bread again. I think. well protected. And I think that, that those things would happen in the marketplace. Of course they the would. Go- the government regulations. I mean, if you look at raisin products, for if instance. If you look at any food products, there are always little, like, 50% more. We right. have more this. This is better. Two like scoops they, of raisins. Exa- exactly. Right. In, in any food product, companies are already competing for having the better product. So there's absolutely no reason to assume that that wouldn't go on. So, Rich, anything, uh, anything else you wanted to share? That was all Thanks I for the about. call, Thank dude. Appreciate hearing from you. 800-259-9231. Yeah, that, that uh, two scoops. Always, I, I wondered this since I was a kid. Who regulates the what a scoop size? is? I mean, couldn't they say four scoops? Sure, if it was half the size of the <laughs> it original It was just scoop, a smaller sure. scoop? Yeah. yeah. I, and is it supposed to be the size of the scoops that are actually on the box cover? Didn't they used to actually show the scoops full of Actual raisins? Actual size? Yeah, I don't know if it was, oh. but uh, didn't they used to show the scoops on the box? I remember the scoops brand? used to be on the box, yes. Yeah. I don't know if they still are. One eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. That is the SACL CAI toll free line. The Pirate Bay website. Maybe you've heard of it. It's a very popular website. Very where, awesome website. Where one can go and get whatever one is looking for, almost in the in the categories of music and movies, and video games, games and uh, software and uh, books. I mean, they're all all over the place. All kinds of entertainment products are there, and of course, it really really irritates the people in the entertainment uh, industry, some of them at least, some of the, the 
I guess, what do you call the RIAA, the MPAA? These are these industry associations, basically, that exist to lobby the government to essentially use its violent monopoly forces on their behalf. And that's what they're trying to do. They're trying to shut down uh, these websites that are essentially, they claim, stealing money from them. They claim that uh, the fact that people can go out and download uh, a brand new DVD or that they can go out and download a new video game is hurting their profits. And, you know, maybe they've got, uh, maybe they've got a case there. But yeah, I certainly think... they affect the profits, but, the, the, you know, the idea that this would be anything more than civil seems ludicrous to me. Well, now you say certainly they affect the profits, and that may be a true statement, too, but they could affect the profits in a positive manner. Oh, I'm only saying that they affect the profits. I right. have no idea. Right. A uh, lot of people who are in the... Uh, the, the file sharing community will tell you that they essentially use the file sharing um, systems out there. And it's not torrents aren't the only ones, but the, they'll use these file sharing systems to sample the products that they're looking at, uh, looking into buying, and that they understand that if well, the products aren't purchased, then they'll not make more of them. What sucks more than buying a CD from a CD store, finding out that there is one or two good tracks on it, and then essentially the CD case becomes a coaster on your coffee table. Yeah, right. I that hate that. that. And that is what the industry, music industry has built its uh, whole you know, system on, and that is why they are getting destroyed now. Because they sucked. Because they would create albums that had one hit song on them, and then the other was crap, and people right. didn't want that. So now, with, with file sharing, they had to come out with things like, we'll buy a song for 99 cents. Of course, that's changed their bottom line, mm-hmm. but if they hadn't have been force-feeding us manure, then, <laughs> <laughs> then you know, they wouldn't have gotten this. I mean, they deserve this. I'm sorry. You know what else kind of bugs me? No, not necessarily the same with Pirate Bay, though it's a similar, similar system. It's, file sharing is essentially like... Me looking at other people's music collections, you know what I mean, that they're willing to share with me. Right. Isn't that the same thing as burning my friend's CDs? It's that's it, also illegal. Is it? Right. Yes. Yes. You can only have one. Co- <laughs> what you can only have. I think it's now. This is my understanding. You can only have one copy of a CD that you own, and it can only be in your possession. So, uh, so yeah, if you're burning CDs or or dubbing but tapes, that's for friends, stupid. Because if I want to introduce one of my friends to new music, I would burn them a CD so they could hear it. See, first, it's, it's and then legal. maybe they might purchase it. Maybe. It'd be legal for you to loan them your CD and then them to give it back to you after they're done listening. So the effect is the exact same, right? If you loan the CD and you don't, and you're not listening to it while they've, uh, while they've got it, then they still get to hear the music and then you get it back. The only difference is if you give them a copy of it, you can both listen at the same time in two different locations. We'll dig in a little further. It's Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. Only moments remain. Enough time for your call if you make it now to 1-800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line, and it's Ian here with you. And Julia. And Mark. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site, they are completely free, so enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. You like the show, you want to help support Free Talk Live, become an amplifier for as little as three bucks a month. We take that money in, reinvest it into the show, getting on more radio stations around the country, bringing more internet listeners on board from around the world, and helping expose new people to the ideas of freedom. Tomorrow night we'll be adding a brand new radio station if all goes as planned. And all of this has to do uh, directly 
because of our amplifiers. It's because of listeners like you supporting this show for as little as 3 bucks a month. You get perks, too, to sweeten the deal, like access to the amp-only call-in lines, chat room, forum, and more. That's amp.freetalklive.com. Again, amp.freetalklive.com. Pirate Bay founders will be spending some time behind bars. Four men behind a file-sharing website that has hundreds of thousands of British users. This is uh, obviously a British story from the Times Online. It's, it, these people have uh, millions. Ain't no news that ain't American news, they you know. Million. Well, there's a Wired story as well. But anyway, they, they have millions of users from around the world. They're based in Sweden. And they were sentenced to a year in jail in order to pay 2.5 million pounds in damages yesterday for helping Internet users download music, films, and computer games. It's a big victory for the entertainment industries. The young gentlemen were found guilty of breaching copyright law in Sweden, where the Pirate Bay was founded. They ordered payment of £900,000 in compensation for 21st Century Fox, 500000 for MGM and Columbia Pictures each. Despite the verdicts, the four announced that the Pirate Bay, which is used by 25 million people, would continue to operate from computers based in various countries throughout the world. The men who plan to appeal will not begin their sentences or have to pay compensation until the end of the legal process. According to information provided by the Pirate Bay, in one 24-hour period this year, there were 3.3 million users in China, 1.6 million in the U.S., and 824,000 in Britain. That's in one 24-hour period how many people use their website. John Kennedy, head of the International Federation of the Phonographic Industry, called the verdict the phonographic industry. They still have a trade group called the the International Federation of the Phonographic Industry. Phonograph is a record player, right? Isn't that what a phonograph is? Yes. <laughs> and it's an old name for a yeah. good player, yeah. so it's really talking about this crappy old... The one with the big tube. Yeah. The, the, the Victorola, <laughs> or whatever the hell it's called. <laughs> the one looks like it's a tuba attached to a yes, record player. Yes. That's what a phonograph is. So, just to give you an idea of really how dinosaur-like these industry groups really are. Well, you know, the the, the thing that I they, the, the Pirate Bay makes such a good point on is, this is sharing. Yes. Now, now, certainly people are communicating in different fashions than they have communicated in the past. That's what the Internet is. It's a communication tool. Mm-hmm. But this is sharing. It's me allowing you to copy my song. And now, but when we were kids, that would have been no big deal. I know I made mixtapes and all that kind of stuff and gave them to friends and moved them around. Yes, I know. And, and like, I did this. And nobody was hurt. Nope. I remember the Dead Kennedys had their released their album. Um, I can't. I think it was Jesus Christ Incorporated or something like that. And on the it, the, it was just one sided, and it said on the back of the tape that uh, you know pirate pirate music copying is destroying the music industry. So we've left this tape bl- this back half blank for your use. <laughs> <laughs> so I you know I mean it. It is never a big deal when I was a kid. Why do we want to throw people in jail for it now? I don't know. And I, I think that it, we're going down a very scary road here where you're going to where start Where big seeing, companies control the governments. You're going to start seeing more people going behind bars because they were downloading a song. And I, I want to st- just go back briefly to something we were talking about uh, a few moments ago. And, and you guys were touching on how... Well, it was a crappy deal when you went and bought a CD for 18 or $20, got two decent songs out of it, and the rest of it was absolute crap. And a lot of people are frustrated by that. And I want to point out that from my observation, and uh, no, I'm not the only one, uh, but it, it seems that the, the speed of information transfer that has drastically increased over the last 
all of time, but certainly within the last 20 or 30 years, the uh, the ability to to uh, to communicate effectively and quickly, I think, is increasing. It's it's raising the bar for entertainment products. Sure it is. So so as an example, uh, Julia and I are uh, kind of fans of this uh, this online character, uh, James the Nintendo Nerd. He's the the angry video game nerd, and he's a very popular YouTube channel. Uh, he basically goes in back into into the past. And he t- uh, picks out old NES games or old, you know, Super Nintendo games, video games from the 80s and the 90s. And he uh, he reviews them. Sometimes he'll review the systems or review the games or whatever. And he he usually picks really bad ones so he can make fun of them and talk about how awful. Because he's the angry video game nerd. Right. He's very angry. And, and there's a, even a little song. And it's, it's, a lot, it's a lot of fun. It's a great show. Real great, uh, funny stuff. The, the dude's really talented. And uh, it's interesting looking back, uh, remembering being a kid and remembering playing these games, because I grew up in the 1980s. And uh, so I had a Nintendo when I was 8 or 9 or 10 years old. So a lot of these games that he's reviewing, I'm somewhat familiar with, if not have played them myself. He did the Atari 2600 on one of them, and I certainly had that system. Yeah. Well, I remember not liking some games back then, but some of the games I remember liking... And then when he does the review, he's pointing out all these things that are wrong with the games, and and some of them are so bad. One of, there was one game that he reviewed where the first line of dialogue in the game now it was Spelled a Japanese wrong, game, right? right? It was a Japanese game, so the translation was messed up. It's one of those English things where their translator <laughs> just didn't do a very good job, and apparently they didn't have anybody look it over who actually spoke real English prior to releasing it because the first line of dialogue was obviously wrong. Yeah, that can't. <laughs> that, that, that's so silly. Uh, I mean, they're selling these games and they make huge profits on right. them, and, and they didn't have somebody look at them. But well, right, it was amazing, and there was there are all kinds of examples of these. And as you if you watch more of his catalog of videos, he points out all of these just blatantly obvious mistakes in these games, like games, uh, mistakes in programming and mistakes in level design and game design that are just so bad that, you know, to Compared to today's standards in in games, uh, in in popular games, and I'm not talking about oddball games that were just you know little release games that nobody knew about. I'm talking about major release games from major game companies in the late 1980s were just crap compared to a lot of them were crap compared to the same companies releasing games today. And I think it has to do with what they could get away with. Because if you released a game that was a real big, uh, you know, you had a real big marketing campaign behind it. The only way most people would hear if it was a good game or not was if they played it or if their friends played it. Whereas now you can you can go and look up game reviews and there's I mean, you well, they had video game magazines back then. But uh, there weren't as many of them, and a lot of them were essentially pay-for-play, right? Where the video uh, game companies are going to, we're going to buy some uh, ads in your magazine, but just make sure you give us a nice favorable game review. So, you know, do you trust the magazine? Because that's all you had to go on back then was what Nintendo Power said, right? That was it. About Nintendo's game. <laughs> yeah. So that you know, otherwise it was just word of mouth, and of course the the amount of uh, options out there was limited compared to I think what uh, what there is today. And so over time, communication has become more effective. And video gamers in the you know in the the 1990s, the internet came out, and gamers could go online and they could post their own reviews of these games. And of course that become became more popular over time, and now it's even more popular than it's ever been. And if you release a crap game today. 
the gaming community is going to pick up on that, and they're going to just they're going to they're just going to destroy your reputation over well, it. They're going. To, you'd be lucky if they just destroyed your reputation. Mostly, they're just going to ignore you. Yeah, well, you'll be crucified. You'll be crucified. There is this <laughs> one game that did, that did come out. Uh, it's like this trucker game that came out within the last few years, and it's just one of the worst games of all time. <laughs> the, the game is so bad, you you can. I I can't even get in to describe how bad this game is. As you're driving, you, you your truck isn't even on the ground and the the speed the speedometer is just messed up and when you go in reverse the the, the lights there's just all kinds of graphical problems and like there's no way anybody played this game prior to them putting it in a box and putting it out on retail shelves so all over the gaming websites this game got torn limb from limb i mean people might have bought the game just to see in the bargain bin just to really see if it was as bad as they said it was but now you can get video footage of the games you can get all kinds of uh, different reviews and it's the same thing for music and movies if a movie sucks and a, and a cd sucks people are going to know now because they can taste it before they buy it they can try it before they buy it because of file sharing so, so it, it's raised the bar i think file sharing's done a, a wonders for, I, I feel like the people who oppose this the mu- musicians especially who oppose this just do not want to adapt to what people want and don't yes. want to make changes in how they sell their cds and how they innovate and, and make money essentially. It's they the just, old guard. Yeah, yep. they just there. Mark, you say this all the time, and I think this is a, a a great quote. And that's there are some people who made typewriters back in the day who are probably pissed that yeah. we don't use typewriters anymore. But we're all better off for it, and plenty of new opportunities opened up for that guy. Exactly. We're out of time. It's been Ian here with you and Julia and Mark. Back tomorrow night. Join us online. In the meantime at freetalklive.com. We'll see you tomorrow night for the live Saturday edition of the show. DVD, books, music, instruments, periodicals, computers, software, electronic, photo, cell phone, office product, home and garden, bed and bath, furniture, kitchen, pet supply, automotive, hardware, apparel, shoes, jewelry, grocery, healthcare, sports and outdoors, toys, games, used and more. It's a department store at your fingertips. Amazon.freetalklive.com. Get all your shopping done, a great deal, delivery to your door, and a percentage of your purchase will go to Free Talk Live when you enter Amazon through Amazon.freetalklive.com.